Of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Good to be with you again, boys and ghouls. We are bringing you a special episode tonight because tonight we record our 200th episode. With questionable audio quality throughout the whole (laughs) endeavor. Talking about soundboards, we're talking about Zoom, we're talking about busted wires. Now we're just using a straight up USB mic because it's all we got. But hey, (laughs) bringing you content that we think is sometimes quality. Mm -hmm. And uh, here we are. Hard to believe we've been doing this for 200 episodes. And 200 years. 200 years. 200 long years. (laughs) <laughs> and so, um, we just want to do something different. We're just going to break things up a little bit. We uh, we want to tell you a little bit about ourselves in case you don't know much about us. You may have picked up a little bit about us over the years. I'll tell you a little bit about that. Um, talk about how the show came to be, how the show has evolved over the years. Uh, life circumstances that have changed throughout that course of time. And then uh, just give you some a rundown of some of our favorite non-horror films. That'd be fun to talk about because we watch lots of movies that aren't horror. Uh, talk about some favorite show moments, favorite movies that we found because of the podcast, um, movies that were just absolute crap that we watched because of the podcast. Talk about that a little bit and then whatever comes up. So we're just going to spitball. If you like that, stick with us. If not, we'll catch you next time. Yeah. So uh, that's it. My name is Grizzly Abner, and I'm a Lutheran pastor. <laughs> that may be a shock to some of you, um, but yeah, no, I. Uh, Are you coming out of the closet? I am. Oh. Yeah. No. Uh, so, I'm originally from Richmond, Indiana. Three of us are, and I'll let them tell the, that. But uh, from Richmond originally, uh, graduated from Richmond High School, went to Ball State University, uh, got my undergrad in education. I was a high school and middle school teacher off and on for a few years. Used to be uh, education director at a children's museum here in Muncie. And then uh, felt a call to ministry. And I've been in Lutheran ministry, whether that's been campus ministry or congregational ministry, for 13 years now. Isn't that crazy to think about? So been doing that for just a little while. And that's a little bit about me and my background when I'm not podcasting and watching horror movies. I'm an outdoors guy. I like hunting, fishing, hiking, um, anything to get out of the house. I'm a black belt in combat jujitsu. Big flex. Watch your toes there. <laughs> um, 
in other areas of interest besides that, I like any stuff that's got anything to do with hillbilly stuff, whether it's country music or moonshine. Uh, again, hunting, everything that comes along with that. I'm really into Viking stuff. I read a lot of Viking history and Norse mythology and stuff like that. and That's just kind of me yeah. and who I am. Firearms, like a lot of firearms, train on firearms, but uh, that freaks some of you out even more than the fact that I'm a pastor, so <laughs> we'll let that go. So, Professor, tell um, these fine folks about yourself. Yeah, uh, Lutheran pastor, really into uh, <laughs> firearms, and no. um, so we started, I think the first time we recorded an episode was February of 2013. Now, that's not when it would have first aired, but I think that was the first time, even if we didn't record, we were beginning to get together around then. So at that time, I was unemployed. Um, Previously to that, I had worked with property management and asset management, um, and eventually it was just not the future for me. It left no energy or time for the things I enjoyed much of which we've spent 200 episodes discussing. Um, But at that point, I was in between. Um, Since then, I've went on to work in warehousing that deals with um, pet food, ranging from stuff to endangered exotic animals at zoos, um, all the way down to the the food supply chain, um, which has been interesting during the pandemic because there were no days off. Um, But it's been a very lucrative opportunity and one that I'm grateful for but this has been constant this podcast has throughout that time fellow Richmond native yes and fellow Ball State Cardinal yep yeah went to school and that's and I've worked with um, in property management here in Muncie uh, for a number of years but at a certain point you're just like I don't think I want a lifetime of thousands of residents yelling at me (laughs) no matter how hard I work for it um but yeah, this has been a wonderful outlet for me throughout um, highs and lows because since I was about four, this has always been my favorite thing, movies. I mean, I love uh, music. We've worked at a, a independent record store. Totally forgot to mention that. Um, we're, we're music nerds too. Yeah, love music and, and reading and all that. And um, But movies has always been my passion and this has been um, a wonderful, wonderful outlet for that. Um yeah, I mean, that's just a little bit of, of me outside of that. Um, trying to think of, of what other hobbies I have that... <laughs> I mean, movies are really my thing. I was going to say, you're, we're all movie guys, but I'd say of, of the four of us here, you and Todd are are more of like your main hobbies. Yeah. Strictly movies, whereas Vinny and I have a lot of other peripheral hobbies not to say like it's a derogatory thing, but like uh-huh. you guys are like more movie you historians. Did not nerd. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I grew up um, with uh, a dad who's a big history guy, and as and the same with movies. So it's like those two things were always very prevalent in our vacations and interests growing up. So tell them about the book that your dad published. Uh, it's called Resting Places, and this was long before the internet made everything very easy uh, for everyone to get access to, but. Uh, for, for years and years and years, he researched and put together basically, like, you know, it was, I mean, it was a tome. It's an encyclopedia of many biographies of people who made notable contributions during their lifetime and what happened to them, um, where they ended up, when they died, what they died of, where they're buried. And so now you've got websites like Find a Grave where you can bring that stuff up in 30 seconds. But there was like a, a handful of maybe five guys. Um, 
across the U.S. that were responsible for logging and researching. They also opened that. a sandwich <laughs> shop. Oh, Jesus. I was, I, was, I was restraining myself from throwing out the burgers and fries, too. <laughs> hey, man, sometimes you swing and miss. That's okay. um, no, but that, that dictated a lot of our vacations, was researching and going around these places. So I, while we spent a lot of time in big cities... We also went off the beaten path all over the country. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, history is also a big part of, like, my traveling along with movies because of that. But, yeah. If you follow our Instagram page, which is Midwest Monsters Podcast or just Midwest Monsters? Just Midwest Monsters. Yeah. Uh, you get some cool pictures of the professor throughout history uh, as a child at different graves, at different oh, yeah. historical sites. Um uh, at Bella Lugosi's house in a questionable neighborhood. Yeah, um, West Hollywood. That, my my dad, by the way, has looked for years now trying to find the magazine where that was in. He can't find it. It drives him nuts. <laughs> but there is an old monster magazine where I'm standing in front of the barred-up windows of Lugosi's final <laughs> home. But yeah, I, I, one of my favorite ones I share on our uh, Instagram is the, the years apart, me five years old at Lugosi's grave, and then there in more recent years as an adult. So yeah. perfectly encapsulating the interest. But, um, but the, other, you know, with movies and we'll go into some of our non horror stuff that we love, but one of my passions has always been old classic comedy, mm-hmm. uh, as you like to tease me about with Charlie Chaplin, but even <laughs> more make, so to make the joke before I can. Yes. Um, <laughs> even more so guys like Abbott Costello, the Marx brothers. Um, that's some of my, my real passions and stuff that I've watched just as long as I have, you know the Wolfman and monster movies, but my my name for the show is Professor Wagstaff. That's a Groucho character, which is also a play on Rob Zombie doing that with yeah. character names too. They just hadn't used that one yet, so a little bit more about me there. Um, and I'll, I'll bookend all of these. Not that I not that I am the tie that binds, but technically I knew mm-hmm. all of you separately and kind of introduced all of you to each other. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Professor and I have been good friends since freshman year of high school. Uh, we lived together for a period in college, and if we didn't live together, we lived within a mile of each other. And so, I've, I've seen Professor, like, there was a period in my life where I saw him every day, I don't know, for what, 10 plus years? Yeah. <laughs> so, that's the kind of friendship yep. in the history that we have. And, um, yeah, just... Always been one of my good friends. Every one of these guys here was a groomsman for me in my, my second wedding. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but, yeah. So, uh, go really far back with the professor. And then I'll touch on kind of some of the background I've got with these guys, Maybe too. Yeah, I don't want you to touch me. <laughs> Quit touching. <laughs> yeah. Can I put my clothes back on? <laughs> Not just yet. Venomous one. Uh, I won't spend a lot of time on my 9 to 5. because Well, it's an 8 to 5. Uh, I am I'm married. I have two kids, uh, older kids at this point. One in his twenties, and I've got one that's a teenager um, <laughs> who just loves to be teased by the <laughs> embar- embarrassed by everything that I do. So I'm leaning into that hard. Uh, my wife and I have been together for like I think 17 years now, 17, 18 years. Um, so. I work a straight job to pay the bills and to keep me sane. I do all of the other things that I like to do. Uh, I'm from Grant County uh, in Indiana around Matthews, Indiana. Population when I was growing up was 1,100. 
home of the uh, Covered Bridge Festival. <laughs> uh, we have the Rose Festival where we're from. <laughs> Careful, guys, I'm getting horny. <laughs> Grow, growing up, uh, I had one friend that was into the same things that I was. Adam Glass was his name. Uh, I dated his brother, <laughs> George Glass. <laughs> and we were, we were into... Uh, you know, all the UFO books in the library and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we'd listen to the Dr. Demento show and record it on the radio and all that kind of thing. So I shared that interest with him. And then my dad was a person who was, my dad was from that first generation that was raised on television. Uh, so I was introduced to all kinds of older things, which has kind of left me as an adult, as somebody whose interests are from yesteryear <laughs> I, I, kind of a man out of time when it comes to stuff like that uh, so sci- sci-fi really is my first love because my parents were my mom's not a horror fan my dad was but he kind of played it safe on what mom would let him show us as kids so I didn't yeah. see it until I was a little bit older um, also dad program my brother and I my, my brother's younger than me. I got one that's way younger than me, but uh, we're comedy <clears throat> nerds as a result of our dad's influence as well. Uh, my brother and I are both have been performers in one aspect or another in our adult lives. Um, I worked in the pro wrestling business for about a decade as a manager, a la Jimmy Hart and <laughs> uh, Bobby Heenan and all that kind of thing. I don't have an athletic bone in my body, but I can talk. <laughs> so yeah, talker. I did that. Uh, I did stand-up comedy for two or three years. Uh, nothing that I was on the road with. I did some open mics. I did some regional stuff. Uh, took some paydays here and there. I realized that it was... I had a family at home and that I was never going to go on the road with it. And realized that I was kind of... Uh, taking up time on stage that better deserve for people who are actually going to do something with it. So I kind of stopped doing that. Uh, I've been a horror host on a local access <laughs> uh, channel. I'm hosted horror movies. Uh, Freak House Flicks is what it was called. We still have a Facebook page out there. Um, and most recently, I... I've been hosting burlesque shows as another character. I do a lot of character work, a lot of a lot of characters. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I like sci-fi and and horror is mainly what I enjoy watching. I don't like comedy movies as much as I enjoy like sketch and things of that nature. Um, so that's the kind of things that I watch. If you want Vinny to watch a movie that's made in the past 20 years, you have to pull his teeth. Hard sell. <laughs> it is. It's hard sell. No matter what genre. Mm-hmm. And so the book in that, so I met Vinny, I'd say probably in 2010. Probably right. It was after New Year's of 2010. Uh, we got a mutual friend named Joel Savage, owner proprietor of Savage's Ale House. And, uh, uh, we all are into wrestling, uh, as I said, hillbilly stuff, part of my interests, <laughs> and Vinny used to work in the biz, but uh, we used to go over for Tuesday night wrestling night over at Joel's house, 
me and Vinny and uh, Kyle Morris, and we would watch. Uh, we would either watch like reruns of like Monday Night Raw from the night before. We would watch wrestling documentaries that we would all pick up, and then we would also play WWE All Stars on Joel's Nintendo Wii. And we had a championship belt, <laughs> and somebody went home with that every week. Um, so Vinny and I hit it off right away, and we've been really good friends ever since. So uh, that's where I met Vinny and brought him into the fold that you have before you. And if here. I'm not mistaken, the first time that I met the professor, I, you and I went with him to a convention. I want to say it was Days of the Dead. Hmm. Days of the Dead in Indianapolis. You drove. You picked. I think you picked the two of us up, or we met you. Gotcha. Yeah. We probably. Yeah, you were still in Muncie. Were you still in Muncie? And... I think. so. Yeah, yeah, you were still in Muncie. So, yeah, so he drove us there. Um, <laughs> Vinny uh, was a little hard up for cash that day, so we joked that he was like our Make a Wish kid. <laughs> We'd let him get in pictures with us with celebrities. <laughs> we're like, hey, hey, come on, we're meeting Heather Lane, Kim. Get in the picture with us. Hey, we're meeting Roddy Piper. Get in the picture with us. And so, uh, yeah, that was that was the first time you two had hung out. Yeah, it's been nice with Vinny because he's finally somebody my age that can match the intensity for the old stuff. <laughs> yes, I mean, like you like some of the Universal monsters. Sure, but I feel like Vinny's upbringing kind of tapped into some of the same. Yeah, beloved territory. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <clears throat> that Teddy, well, um, I play. A character for this podcast, like I'm, I'm married, I have a beautiful wife, <laughs> <laughs> surprise, thirteen kids. Uh, He's just woman. kidding. Uh, well, I mean, if you know me, then you should know that I am homosexual. <laughs> he, um, he is our token gay host. <laughs> I, I officially came out to myself and everyone when I was 22, which is a long time ago. Um, I don't know. I, not that I, I don't know. I, movies have been my whole entire life, so um, I definitely bond with my dad over horror movies because he he just loves like a lot of the ones that we call stinkers, and uh, the cheesier the better for him. Uh, my mom hates horror movies, so um, she loves she loves comedy. So that's kind of. I don't know. I like movies just in general, so doesn't matter the genre. If it's a good movie, it's a good movie. Um, I know I talk about going to the movies a lot, but and, and this sounds weird, but I feel like that's a stable thing for me. Like as a kid, like um, my siblings are all older than I am, or there's a few that are younger, but there's an age gap in there too. And then I didn't have a lot of friends around me growing up, so. Um, like, I would have some good friends, and then they would move to the other side of town or out of town. Um, I think I was the only kid, like, in my neighborhood most of the time. And then most of my friends from school, like, lived a far distance away. Um, so, usually for me, it was movies. So, uh, a lot of times, even just hanging out with some of my friends, it was going to the movies with them. Uh, my parents divorced when I was, like, five or six. So, I think I... To my knowledge, I think I was the only kid that's parents were divorced at that time. Because this is early 80s. Um, so, they actually... I mean, they're still really good friends. But um, a lot of the times, my dad would pick me up. We'd go to the movies. Uh, my mom worked all the time. When she would have a day off, we'd go to the movies. Um, when I was 13, I started working for a uh, mom and pop video store. Um... 
Like, I don't know. Like, I I always played dumb in school, but, like, I was smarter than I was, but I didn't care about school. Um, just kind of, to me, like, I'd be excited to get out of school and go work at the video store. So, uh, I've always latched on to, to movies. And music's a big part of me, too. Um, so, I don't know. That's a, that's a big part. Uh, for work, I mean, I've, I've worked in video store many of my years in retail, um, I worked for, if you know what Hastings Corporation was, I worked for them the last five years they were open. Um, and after that, I went to work for a local hospital in town. Um, and I still presently work there. So I work in, um, medical office. So, um, kind of like Vinny said on, unfortunately I don't work the sweet Dolly Parton shift. Mine is more like, more like eight to five. Um, so, but it does uh, allow me to um, kind of do the things I love on the weekends and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else to say here. No pressure. No pressure. No I, pressure. I love traveling. More so stuff can come out. Past uh, past couple years has been a little tough, and I'm I'm going to be 100 percent honest. Like, I've kind of had to deal with things more with the shutdown. So, I kind of think. Like, even last year, and I think everybody kind of noticed, like, there was some, I don't know, just some low points. So, I'm glad the show continued because it kind of uh, kept me going. Mm. And Good then, outlet. Yeah. You know, like, uh, a lot of the outlets that I had prior to that, like, kind of, like, ceased um, during COVID or still hasn't really quite resumed. So, you know, traveling's been weird and... Uh, you know, even there for a while, it felt uncomfortable to go back to the movies. So, um, yeah, so the podcast has been great. And um, I don't know, there's been, like, I have a brother and sister, and then just some stuff has been going on with them. So that's been tough. So I appreciate the friendship and the brotherhood because my own brother is a turd. So, <laughs> um,. Is he going to listen to this? Uh, uh, we're too liberal. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Um, yeah. So, definitely appreciate the friendship and the podcast. And, um, I don't know, I'm forever nerdy little movie kid, so. Uh, I think going to start singing Forever Your Girl. Uh, well, I was, but you took that thunder. I was going to start singing Forever Young, like at the end of Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, and I, I will say, too, like, uh, definitely travel-wise, too. Like, I love uh, going to a lot of the movie locations. and. Um, yes, I can't wait to get back to traveling. Yeah. yeah. Pretty excited about that. And, um, yeah, good times. Good times. And Todd and I have known each other... For at least, I go back and I look at old photos from Halloween parties that we were at in like <laughs> 2003, 2004. So we've known each other that long, but we really became homies in like 2006. I moved back uh, to Richmond. I was teaching high school in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, we had a mutual friend. Way to make this about you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I already explained this. The tie that binds. <laughs> and so Todd and I had a mutual friend, which was Mad Chan, original host, or one of the original hosts of the show. And um, 
And we started hanging out there a lot and watching movies and having a good time. And so we became tight like 15 years ago. But we've known each other for a little bit longer than that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's a good segue into how the show started in that I was not uh, big into horror movies growing up. As I always say before, I was kind of a fraidy cat, right? But I did a lot of horror reading. I was really into paranormal stuff. I had, because there was the uh, the Tales of the Crypt Keeper like, cartoon, and so I had some of those Tales from the Crypt books. Um, so I always read horror stuff. Did, you, just... did you get into your, your mom's Lady Smut books? <laughs> That's very personal, sir. <laughs> uh, so I was always into horror, like reading and, and like culture peripherally, but I was too scared to watch the movies. So... Uh, I really got into horror movies. Not, it's not that I didn't watch them. I saw Blair Witch in the theater. I saw Scream on demand, you know, etc. But uh, I really got into the horror genre when Professor and I uh, moved in together in 2003 in college. And so that's really where I got into horror. And it was a perfect segue in that I kept that going. And then when I moved back to Richmond in 2006... Mad Chan was also a big horror dude, and I would hang out with him, and we'd watch horror movies. So, it it I started listening to podcasts, and as you all know, like kind of the weird beginning of podcasts when like people just start looking at each other and go, you know, we're allowed to make a podcast, right? Like, because it just <laughs> seems like you need money and equipment yep. and all this, and it's like, no, you can just be modern punk rock. Yeah, you can just say be what a, you want to say. You can just be an idiot with some Dead sort of recording cool. device. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, around, um, which is our motto around here, by the way, you can be an idiot with some sort of recording device. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So we operate around 2012. So, uh, I was married to my first wife, uh, in 2011. Um, God rest her soul. She died in a car accident in 2013. Um, but I, we had moved to this place in Northern Indiana, Jay County, Bryant, Indiana, and uh, I was just missing opportunities to hang out with my dudes. And I thought, you know, I listen to these horror podcasts, and they're okay. And that's not to say that, I'm like, I can't say we're going to do it better, but we could at least do one if we wanted to. And it would be a way to keep us involved with like horror conventions and each other, etc. And so I reached out to Professor and Mad Cham because they were my horror influences after my father, because my dad was into universal horror, etc. Sci-fi horror, big time. And I said, hey, have you guys heard of podcasts? <laughs> Think of the graduate, plastics. You should go out <laughs> of plastics, right? Have you guys heard of podcasts? And they're like, not really, tell us more, you know? And so, uh, I'm like, you know, 2012, we started talking about it, and we're like digging up whatever weird-ass equipment we can find, like... Mics we had much like tonight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mics we had from like radio TV in high school because we were in radio TV together in high school, uh, which you call TCOM now. And uh, so, yeah, as Professor said earlier, in 2013, myself, Professor, and Mad Chain sat down and recorded some of our first episodes. Yeah, and uh, it was um, all they always revolved around whenever my wife would be out of town doing something else, so they would come up. We would eat, drink, be merry, <laughs> record these podcasts on this terrible audio equipment. And that's how it started. Yeah. And to tie in a few things here that were mentioned, um, 
I, I wasn't like the lonely kid growing up. I had friends, but I never had good friends for this topic. Yeah. It was a very lonely hobby. It was like me and my dad watched the old monster movies, and then I started getting really into newer stuff. And he was supportive of some of it, but he kind of veered off also. Like, he was supportive of it. So, getting into this podcast around the same time that uh, I really got introduced to conventions, I've never looked back. I mean, it completely scratched the itch that I'd had my entire life. Because it was always a very personal hobby for me. Um, There were kids at school that they liked Jason and Freddie and Michael, but past the the limited interactions for that that was it yeah um and so um this podcast a lot like i said along with conventions has been wonderful for kind of filling that void um because i've never slowed down it's like i've i'm you know i turned 40 in a matter of days i had decades worth of enthusiasm bottled up and i'm still not done just flinging at travel conventions and this show yeah um and so, you know, it's like I mentioned with, with Vinny, he was the first person that was kind of a peer in terms of age that was just as passionate about that stuff. But the same thing goes uh, with Todd, like just the never-ending love for that era that we grew up with. And so, um, you know, he talked about this being a nice distraction at times, too. And then you talked about the the, you know, just incredible loss that you suffered uh, something that I think that has been interesting through this is that this show at least in my world has never felt in jeopardy of going away yeah and so it I, it's always been a nice outlet for me as well um, I haven't had any particular horrible event occur during the time that we've been doing this but I've I've you know dealt with my own demons since basically high school with um, depression and anxiety. This is a wonderful, stable structure for my hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hear us talk about some of the things where it's a nice distraction for it, and I want to make sure like, I throw that in too. It's like never once when any of us were facing something tough did I think we need to get rid of this show. It's yeah. always, if we need to take a little pause, fine. But it's like this has just become part of life yeah in the best possible way right it's a a healthy way to really give structure to the hobby so i want to make sure i echoed a lot of those things that we've kind of sprinkled out there kind of all tied together i noticed too that we we all have where like you know there's a lot of things we all are interested in but then there's stuff that maybe two of the group doesn't like and then two of us kind of it's an interesting balance yeah. But like like Vinny said, he likes a lot of like stand up <clears throat> stuff. So I feel like I'm always talking to him about Saturday Night Live or. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you guys are into stand up and sketch. You two are into older stuff, and it's just yeah, just different. we like scat, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Tom into scat uh, music. Ski <laughs> uh, Yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's interesting too in that dynamic and like the ways that like we all like some same things but then we all kind of crisscross on mm-hmm. different things I can remember one of the first times I met Todd at a convention <laughs> he was wearing a creeper shirt I was like finally somebody gives a shit about Argento I'm going to interact with him this is cool I think it's only I should mention at this point too that about 10-11 years ago I think it was shortly before maybe I met Abner maybe right around the same time I also met and became friends with Brian Blair mm-hmm. who uh, Pumpkin Pulp Productions, uh, look them up online. Make kick-ass Halloween masks and 
Latex Master. Tonight's episode is sponsored by all kinds of other <laughs> shit. But I was doing uh, stand up. I was booking stand up comedy shows as fundraisers for the local animal rescue fund, and uh, I had seen Sammy Terry, who we've mentioned before, who's, a, who's local horror hosting legend. Um, I caught a show with him with a friend of mine who had just done two tours in Iraq, and he came back. And uh, I saw that there was this barely advertised thing where Sammy Terry was going to be there. Uh, and at this point, it was the son, Mark Carter, who's taken over for his dad. Uh, so we went and checked it out, and like 400 people turned out for it. And I thought, oh, man, this would be a good fundraiser, you know, maybe book him. So I approached the Animal Rescue Fund. Brian's wife worked there, and she said, well, my husband, if you're bringing Sammy Terry, would, would love to be a part of this. And at the time, Brian was running Scarevania Haunted House during the uh, Halloween season. And I met him, and we hit it off immediately. Uh, and he's an enormous horror fan. <laughs> yeah. Enormous. He eats, breathes, and sleeps horror. Uh, and being friends with him and hanging out with him amplified my interest in it. And so I started getting introduced to some shit. Maybe I had because my dad wasn't big into like slasher shit or stuff like that. My dad was into older stuff, Hammer and before. Yeah, same uh, so Brian really got me inter- more interested into some of the other shit. Uh, so I think it's only fair when I'm talking about my my horror interest that that Brian's name be brought up. And it's funny because that's another intersection that we had. You and I. Yes. So it's like, not only were we into like wrestling and moonshiners and country music, but like I met Brian around the same time because I was working at the Children's Museum and Brian had designed some exhibits and artwork at the Children's Museum I worked at. And so they were like, you need to get in touch with Brian about this, that. Also the haunted house that we had at the Children's Museum is one of our main fundraisers. Um, And so I connected with Brian through there. And then found out that Vinny and Brian were connected, and like the the connection became that much stronger. And so, yeah, Brian is an important part of our horror lives. Yes, all the time, and just uh, just a damn good guy. And Brian's really what got me into the convention scene. Like I had been to Horror Hound once or twice, but Brian sold his masks at these conventions, so I started going with him and having him run in his booth. And so, I've been strong into the horror convention shit at least around here he's kind of the billy preston of this podcast like the fifth (laughs) beetle because frequently these stories we talk about he's there yeah he's at a convention he's walking out of a movie screening we just attended you know so he's he's very much within the pulse of the show and i mean has he been on it more than once or is he just here the night i think he was just here we did horror comedy the first horror comedy yeah we need to get him back on um yeah him's a busy man yeah oh yeah yeah, I went to see him at his shop the other day, and I thought, well, I, I, I needed to bring him some mannequin arms because I borrowed them for something. <laughs> so I said, well, I messaged you. This was like Wednesday Gross. before Thanksgiving, and I said, uh, I wasn't sure if you'd be in. I thought you might take the week off for Thanksgiving. And he like looks at me over his reading glasses, and he's like, I'm busier now than I was before Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't got time for that. So speaking of the cons, because that's an important part of this whole story too, uh, I attended my first con. It was a horror hound in 2010. Um, I think 
I took Professor to one in 2011. Yeah, because you got back from that, and I was like, what the fuck? You just want to meet these people? My, my whole <laughs> life loving all these things, and you're telling me that they're getting together under one roof to embrace that yeah. and meet the people that you're interested in? Because I was very envious of your George Romero meet. Yeah, that's priceless, and that's... That's the thing where, where Todd and I and Mad Chan and his wife Nicole, we stood in line for, well, they stood in line longer. I got to cut a little <laughs> bit. But I was in line for two and a half hours behind some very annoying people, which one of them Vinny knows. And we're not going <laughs> to name him because he's, he's actually a fairly okay guy. I love him. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, um, yeah, Todd, how, when did, when did you, that wasn't your first con, was it? Uh, that wasn't. So I, have you noticed something in a magazine ad? I was going to say, so I noticed Whorehound advertised Whorehound Convention. And I remember, I remember, um, you know, uh, actually, I pick up old issues of Fangoria and I'll see, like, they're, like, for 20 bucks, you could have met Stan Winston and, like, Sam Raimi. And, yeah, like, I'm like, all these people for 20 bucks. Um, So I just remember that as a kid. and, And those were always in L.A. and New York City. Those were not obtainable to me. But I noticed in Horrorhound Magazine that there's this convention and like Tony Todd was there and Kane Otter and it's, um, I want to say, I can't remember if it was Indy or Cincy, but I saw that art, the, the ad and I was like, holy shit. So I tell Chad about it and um, so we, they might have actually, I think the one that was coming up, I was not able to attend and so I went to like the very next one. So it was kind of maybe a couple, a year or two prior to Maybe 08 or 09. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I went. I think Kane Hodder was one of the first people I met. And I just remember telling him, I was like, you know, I know people go nuts over, like, Babe Ruth or something like that. But I'm like, to me, you're my Babe Ruth. Because you're, like, you're Jason. So, like, Robert Ingram, like, that, all, that, all that stuff to me was, like, a big deal. Because these are the, the people I grew up on. Um, so, yeah, just, I mean, as soon as I went to one. And then I'm meeting people, like, man, I'm, I, I didn't bring it up earlier, but... Um, I'm a little weird gay kid that likes horror movies. So I'm like, man, when you go to the gay community, that's not something most of them like. And then I start noticing that there's all these gay kids that like horror movies because I start going to these conventions. Um, So it's kind of nice to see others like yourself. Um, I mean, I have a few friends that we bond over horror films um, like that. But again, like maybe some of them live out of town, so... Um, you know, it, it's not just it's not just uh, going and getting some autographs and stuff, but you know, you start actually having. It's weird, but you become friends with a lot of the people that go to the same conventions. Um, and not only that, but even a few of the celebrities we have become friends with. So, um, definitely something I've been missing the last couple of years. And cons are starting to slowly come come back. So. We'll get there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You think years later, Todd and I have traveled all over the country to some different shows. We <laughs> went to uh, the Halloween 40th anniversary convention in Pasadena where they filmed the original uh, 2018. Um, was it the Was it the same year? No, that was the following year when we went to Dallas um, to Texas Frightmare and went around all. It was close because it was like that was uh, Halloween was in the fall and. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Texas would have been in like, yeah, that's, the spring. Those are just a, a couple of shows in other parts of the country we found ourselves at. So it's like it just the, the hobby just keeps growing. Yeah. So, uh, so the conventions clearly play a role in our lives in general. But I think that's a change that there's been in the shows. In the early days, 
I think the conventions were spotlighted in early days of this show. Yes. Yes. That that really has gotten away from as the years have gone by. Right. And not to like have an uncomfortable angle on this, but the reality is is Chad was much more interested in integrating that than Chris and I ever were. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you could, it's fine. We did some interviews with like Adolfo that used to be basically spearheading all of the the Days of the Dead shows. He's no longer. Well, and you guys, and you guys did uh, this. This is before my time on the show, but you guys even had a couple of interviews. You guys had mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Maine, uh, Tony Todd. Yep, mm-hmm. that's that's within the first year of the show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the, Jessica Cameron. Yeah, Jessica Cameron, uh, indie filmmaker. We um, did an interview with her over the phone. Tyler Maine, we also did over the phone, mm-hmm. which is funny because we're sitting in Chad's kitchen while uh, the guy who played the modern. Michael Myers is talking to us about his foot massager that he's using in his living room. So it's an interesting experience. And there were there were angles of it where it's like, yeah, this is cool, but this really isn't why we started a podcast. Like, yeah. we wanted to talk about movies with each other. And so that was kind of short-lived. But yeah, yeah it's, you're right. It's interesting. There was a big emphasis on kind of convention coverage early on in the show. And I think, in fairness, too, not just to put that all on chat... We were listening to shows like 40 Ounces of Horror. Yeah. They were going and doing live stuff at conventions. Big so time. it's like we were starting to dabble in those ideas, but it just wasn't for us. Just testing it. Just yeah. trying to find our own identity and our own footprint. Yeah. Uh, our Tony Todd interview was a pure accident. Uh, we were at Days of the Dead Chicago on a Friday night, and um, we're walking around, and we're wearing our, our Midwest Monsters gear, and we got our press passes on, and... and Friday nights are always slow at cons, and mm-hmm. so Tony Todd's sitting there talking to his handlers, and he looks at us, and he goes, what's Midwest Monsters? <laughs> <laughs> and so, we're like, hey, we're a podcast, and he's like, you do interviews? Like, well, yeah. He's like, why haven't you interviewed me? <laughs> uh, because, sir, you are a superstar, and we never thought that <laughs> we were worthy of your time. And he was like, well, I'm, I'm not doing anything right now. You want to interview me now? And I always say it was like that scene in Friday <laughs> where <laughs> the, the girl is sitting with Ice Cube. She goes, Craig, you look you look high. Are you high? And Craig like straightens out his outfit and he's like, Do I still look high? Because me and Chad were like working on me in three sheets to the wind. And so we look at each other and we straighten out our, our vests and our shirts and we're like, Do we look drunk? Do we look are we good? You guys are good. Can we interview Tony Todd? And uh you know, I'm gonna say to to Matt Jan's credit, I mean he 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 did a great job in that interview. He carried a lot of that with asking about some of the, the stage stuff yeah, that Tony was Todd was doing. Uh, Jack Johnson, the boxer, one man show that he and so you could tell Todd was delighted to be asked about. Yeah, that, so. yeah, for sure. And it was fun. It was fun. Tony Todd was a real sweetheart, and I don't think that's any secret. If you watch any documentaries or stuff with Tony Todd, he's a, he's just a solid dude. Yeah. And that was like I said, pure accident. Uh, you also told him that I was scared. Of him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's not forget that I was taking pictures. Yes. He said, why is your buddy standing so far away? We said, well, he's really scared of me. Candyman had a big impact. <laughs> so it was the running joke for that whole weekend was that Tony Todd thought the professor was afraid of me. Yeah, he signed my poster to be brave. Tony Todd. <laughs> <laughs> so, fond memory. Nice guy. Later, we would go on a few years later to get a photo with him in Candyman yes. costume, which in is Chicago. one of my prized possessions. Uh, speaking of cons, before we leave the con conversation, <laughs> uh <laughs> I I met my current wife at a con. Yeah. We were at Horror Hound Cincinnati yep. in 2014, early 2014. So too early for me to be looking for love in all the right places. Uh, we just happened upon some new friends, and that was a that was a big 
uh, factor of Mad Cham. Mad Cham is never never knew a stranger, and so I do. <laughs> yes, but Professor and I, uh, I, I'm I'm a I'm a big people person, but I'm not just to sit down and start talking to people person. Mm-hmm. Professor is a avoid people person. Yes, uh, it's and, like I need ten great friends. <laughs> the rest of you can leave me alone. <laughs> Unless you're a listener, come say hi. Hello, hello. <laughs> we like listeners. And uh, so I noticed this beautiful gal in the, the group of people that Chad was talking to. I was like, I'm going to sit next to that gal. Sat next to that gal. She ended up getting ill. Uh, not because of me, but because of uh, recreational <laughs> activities we were doing that evening. And uh, But anyways, that's where it started. And we do have a photo from that night of myself my wife, my now wife Carrie, and Todd, who was cosplaying as Vinny that night. <laughs> and I was there too. Yeah, the professor and I were both there. That's right. And all of us were in attendance. Yeah. That's right. The and professor was back in the room probably reading. Probably. <laughs> and uh, we used to pass around a bottle of Evan Williams cherry. That was oh, kind of one of our actor. trademarks. And Clifton Collins Jr. was, uh, <laughs> aka Boner from Growing Pains. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, I forgot about that. AKA the, the that was boner. <laughs> AKA homeboy from uh, Boondock Saints Two, mm-hmm. who became like their third brother. Yeah, he's also uh, in the Star Trek reboot. He's a Romulan. Yes, uh, great actor, but uh, really nice guy. But I could tell that he was just a little apprehensive about putting his lips on the bottle that all of us have been drinking. And so he, goes, he tries to drink it without putting his lips on it, spills it. <laughs> Mad chance, like boner just spilled my whiskey everywhere. <laughs> Took it personal too. <laughs> Very upset. Very upset, but uh, yeah, that was a fun night, and so yes, I met my wife at a con, and so I mean, we talk about how the cons were so significant in our lives at a certain point, but it really was. We made good friends, <laughs> one of us found a spouse there, um, yeah, I lost so my innocence in a bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, no, no, it's, that is, I would say, just real quick for uh, special convention memories, mine are both tied to The Shining, uh, Joe Turkle. Stood and talked to me for a half hour about working with Stanley Kubrick in multiple movies, which just made my nerd heart flutter. And then the twins, who I ended up chatting with a ton that night. You were on a smoke hours. break with yeah, them. Yeah, we right? were out. I was out smoking cigarettes with them out front. They were trying to take advantage of you. Well, <laughs> they were fascinated and vice versa with each other's cultures because they're in London. And so we were talking about differences and stuff. And at one point, the because I was just talking to one of them, the twin sister comes out and starts yelling at her about, our dinner's ready at the restaurant here, what are you doing? She ends up talking. They stand out there talking for 20 minutes, and then I was like, you guys should go in and get your dinner. And I'm like, I just need to get out of here before I fuck this up somehow. Like, this is perfect, <laughs> let's be done. Fart. And so, yeah, we walk in, and they're arguing over each other, trying to tell me things. And I think, oh my God, I'm walking into a hotel with the Shining Twins right now. And so, conventions are... Wonderful. So that's <laughs> yeah. my favorite unique moment. Yeah, good times. I was going to shit on it, but I was, I was just going to be funny and stupid. But <laughs> so there's kind of a setup, and so we've ran the show <laughs> an hour into it. There's a setup. <laughs> that's all right. That's how we got here, and so uh, Vinny, you've taken some notes. Can you tell us because Toddy was on before you? Can you tell us the first episode that Toddy appeared on? Uh, actually, I was on before Todd. Really? Yes. Actually, yeah. I my first appearance was on episode sixteen. I was on that was the werewolf, the infamous werewolf, the episode. original werewolf mm. round What year was that? Oh God, I don't know. That was the year my heart was broken. I'll tell you that. <laughs> werewolf fans that don't like the howling. 
It's well, going to be early 20... It's going to be some point in well, 2013. 20, 2013, 2014. It has to be 2013, yeah. yeah. Right around in there. <clears throat> um, Loves werewolves and hillbilly culture. Doesn't like howling. The, the, yeah, mm. well... But... On the Howling Revisit episode... Game Breaker Rip. That's true. I've done an entire 180 on the Howling. I just have to point out, though, that was my saltiest moment in the history of the show. <laughs> yes. I could not believe it. We So... We recorded that episode. I think this is why, because I still lived in Bryant, but I still served the campus ministry in Muncie. In Muncie. You were in Muncie. Yes. Savages is always in Muncie, so we're always trying to eat there. And then, so I think, I think Mad Chan and Professor came up from Richmond to me, and I was down from Bryant. And we all converged. We converged at the campus ministry uh, in our old building. To talk about werewolves. To talk about werewolves, <laughs> yeah, because I'm Lutheran. It's cool. Uh <laughs> And so uh, that building has since been demolished, and Ball State has erected two ginormous new buildings there. And so, just to, as we talk about changes that have happened over time in the podcast, yeah. that building doesn't exist. It's it's a memory upon the landscape. So that was episode sixteen, and unless I am mistaken, uh, Todd's first appearance was on episode twenty-two, which was do we know? Was that, that, his, I don't was that Romero? Because he was there for the ridiculous night where we tried to do way Rame- too much. Romero, uh, Carpenter. And Stephen King. And Stephen King. Those three topics in one night. Yeah. So even though Todd and I weren't part of the original hosting crew, we were still part of the show very early on. Yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy night, because at one point, what what episode was it that you're like looking to the rest of us to help you, and we're just all like white? It was out. the last one of the night, it was Carpenter, and nobody's even interacting with me. And I'm like <laughs> moving my hands at people, because nobody's even saying that they've watched any of these movies before. I'm just like, hey, it's we try to do way too much. Any one of those topics would have been enough for a night of recording. Yeah. I mean, Romero, Carpenter, and Stephen King, those are massive <laughs> and before and or, that's episode twenty two, but I want to take it back a few episodes. Episode nineteen, which is one of my favorite episodes to listen to, and that's the Leprechaun episode. Yes, one of my top episodes. Professor <laughs> is drunk AF. That is true, and hates these movies so bad. That was an ang- I, that was a spiteful drunk <laughs> for more than one reason. <laughs> One thing that will always stand with me is that he referred he he used the term four loaf cleaver. That's true. <laughs> four loaf cleaver. I it was I was mortified mixing that because we get to like the last twenty minutes of the episode, and I knew right there and then that's like a different human being, and I had because no idea. Had no recollection yeah, of I was it. like blackout at that point, so I had no idea what I was going to say. Oh man, and I I just want to. Say again I, how much I hate those movies, and we're gonna have to revisit them <laughs> in an upcoming episode. I don't think I'll get it that drunk again for it, I, but. but I kind of want you to, though. That's mm. kind of a prerequisite. Well, the other thing, the other thing with that is, um, it, it seemed particularly important to Mad Chan that I drank when we were, recording, yeah, yeah, and he wouldn't leave it alone. Yep. And so I was like, okay, you're going to see what I can do. <laughs> so it was, a, it was, it was a perfect storm <clears throat> in that. Um, Professor, as the years have gone on, has been less of a drinker than the rest of us. Um, Mad Chan wanted him to drink. He hates the Leprechaun films. It was in conjunction with St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. and so Professor, with his Irish background, does it like at least like to imbibe on St. Patrick's Day, and so it's like all these things coming together. I was playing uh, Municipal Wastes: Art of Partying, which is a fantastic thrash record all about partying, 
And at some point, I realized that Professor was getting out of hand before Early. we recorded. <laughs> and I started to like turn down the music, and he's like, uh-uh. No, you don't. <laughs> That's I, not going to stop me. Yeah, I remember saying, I was like, you can turn the municipal waste off. I'm not going to stop drinking. <laughs> so it was, it, was a, it was a perfect storm. And then he went and laid on the on one of my bathroom floors. Yep. And Before I was even feeling sick, yeah. I just was like, this will be bad later. He's like, this is so, provisional. Like, yep. And he laid there and kept talking to us. Yep. Like He wasn't like out of it. He yeah. was just like, I'm just here for safety. Yeah. So, uh, oh, Vinny is leaving for one of his many infamous uh, urine breaks. For those of you listening <laughs> to the show, Vinny has a bladder the size of a golf ball. Did he let the puppy back in? Yeah, he did. He did. So, um, boy, I'm going to take it at this point. So, Todd, when Toddy came on for his first episodes, which was just, as we said, colossal undertakings. Yes. To try to do uh, the Romero zombie movie, Stephen King and uh, Carpenter. Todd was trying to be very respectful and he didn't want to step on anybody's toes. And so like he was purposefully not talking much that night, which right. most of you who know Toddy know that he doesn't have any trouble talking. And so uh, <laughs> he's so quiet those episodes because he's just like, I didn't want to intrude. I didn't want to interfere. And so uh, we've come a long way from that. Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. We also redid all of those. Yeah. Because we felt like we, we shit the bed. Trying to do we this still haven't redone Romero zombies. Well, we did all Romero. Yeah, we we did a after he passed away. We did a Romero uh, tribute, a retrospective for his zombies. whole filmography. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, that man that that was one of our early. Uh, we shit the bed that night. That was an early <laughs> lesson learned. <laughs> one of my favorite memories is not that night, but the next morning. Uh, <laughs> I used to have this big bulldog. He was a big. English British bulldog mix, or no, English American bulldog mix, and uh, Todd was sleeping on my couch in his boxers, and the dog kept barking at him. And Todd was like, "I don't know what you want." <laughs> He's like, "I just." The dog's like, "I want to go out." And Todd's like, "I I can't tell what you want." <laughs> <laughs> so I came out, and Todd's in his boxers on my couch watching Phantasm Two, and he's like, "Your dog's trying to tell me something." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we would wore ourselves out. Yeah. So yeah, the, uh, the the two here, early involvement with the show. But when did uh, when did we get into heavier rotation with you guys becoming a permanent fixture? I think that when the rotation started, of uh, that there would be it wasn't just the three of you that you guys started kind of switching it up and. We're trying to add some variety to the show. And I, we haven't mentioned Rybones at all either. So Rybones has been part of the show. So I think I think he was part of the rotation for a yeah, while. He was. Uh, it was shortly before the 100th episode that we started doing uh, rotation. I, I want to say it's around the 70s or 80s. Because that was around uh, one of the first ones that I was back for like in the rotation as a host. was uh, I remember we covered the Frankenstein movies. And I think that was even a little different for the show at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh because it had mostly been 70s, 80s fair, for the most part. There were a few that were a little bit different, but I think that was the first one where a classic character like that was really covered. And I I think if you listen to it, you can hear Professor and I really connecting in that episode. Um, 
which get you know lent itself to some some of my favorite episodes because again growing up the way I did with being introduced to movies that not every kid was introduced to I've got a lifetime of wanting to talk about Frederick March Jekyll and Hyde that I've never gotten to do same and yep. so doing that on an episode where we did a Jekyll and Hyde episode it was great to be able to sit and gush about these movies not just to people who are staring blankly back at me, yeah. but people who have a frame of reference and right. have watched it and have opinions. So I, I, I think that's that's the big thing with, with the show is, and you touched on it earlier, and so did Todd, just being able to conversate with people who are like-minded. And for some of us, we've had this bottled up for decades, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's nice to, you know how long I waited to talk about to three other people about the movie Orca. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, and, so and not true. get up and walk out on you. <laughs> yeah, and actually know what I'm talking about. Yeah, because uh, it's like you know, I had a, a youth of kids, you know, like quoting the Goonies, and I'm like, yeah, but have you seen Island of Lost Souls? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, shut up, nerd. Yeah, and here it works. Yeah, it works yeah. out. See, so yeah, it's somewhere around the hundred mark. Yeah, when they really it was, it was to... around that era. I think around the 70s-some episodes, we started rotating out. Yeah, and I think it was just an idea of like just trying to to vary things. Um, I know that my life circumstances had changed. Professors had. uh, Mad Chance had. So it was like this idea of like also trying to simplify things in where like... It wasn't always about people trying to come to Muncie to record. Because that was the original Mm -hmm. like setup. And so it was like the opportunity that like I could take a recording session off and Todd, Mad Chan, and Professor could record in Richmond. Right. Or they could do it with Rye Bones. And it was like I wouldn't have to travel there. They wouldn't have to travel here. And it would just offer that. Or like it would become like a thing too where like maybe Mad Chan would already be coming to Muncie for something else and we could pull on Vinny and we could just record there. And so it was just like a life change. It allowed us to bend without breaking. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think a lot of shows would have dissolved around that time. Yes. When, with all the people going through different things and needing, maybe not having the energy they needed every time to be able to sure take breaks and kind of rotate it. And yeah, and that's the thing too. Like we we talk about like when we talk about life changes. Like I was in a new relationship, which then became my marriage, and so it's like I, while I want to hang out with you guys all the time, like I have besides my work. Which is at two places. I also needed to devote energy elsewhere in my personal life that didn't always right. afford me time to watch ten movies a month that were like obscure that like a date with that's not watch. Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's when the rotation kind of began. Um, and then you know, without getting too much into it, you know, there was also just some kind of like personal conflict going on uh, with some folks. And that that led to some of that friction too, and just trying to just find our place as as people in a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, and just to, I'll be diplomatic here. Uh, the last hundred have went much quicker. Yeah, and it's seasons of life. You know what I mean? Like, and by a hundred episodes in, you guys had already already been on for how many years? Already been doing this like three. So by a hundred, 
don't know. What was that, around 20... So around 2015? Yeah. 2016-ish? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've been doing it for a little bit. We would we would have got there quicker. Because some of those episodes early were not ones we were doing every couple weeks. Or were necessarily full on. We would maybe meet every, like, in two months we'd meet and do three episodes. Yeah. And yeah. so, a lot of that... We got too quicker, which I think is a testament to what we're doing now. When I say that the last hundred have went much quicker, yeah, because it's taken much longer to do them, but it doesn't feel like it. So, yeah. good job, guys. Yeah, <clears throat> we so, introduced the rotation, and uh, we have our hundredth episode, and so it was fun. We did 98, 99, 100, which would have been um, Halloween revisit, yep. uh, Friday revisit, and then one hundred was nightmare revisit, and which. So, Showed the influence of new hosts being on. Yeah. By what was covered on 100. Because if the new hosts had not been there, it absolutely, episode 100 would have been Friday the 13th franchise. Absolutely. Yeah, we went for the the Freddy movies for fireworks. Yeah. Because some opinions we'd shared didn't gel. Yeah. Yeah. Because the first time you guys And covered, we held it to a vote. Yeah. yeah. And there were five of us. Yep. So it was, yeah. Yep. And... And me, Toddy, and Rybones tipped it, and so we ended up covering. And so that was there's an indicator of how dynamics changed with who was in, more involved at the time. It's because it absolutely would have been Friday the Thirteenth had it been. Which I think I just made a list of listening to their episode of which ones they shit on. That I was like, oh no, they were. If you go back <laughs> to the very early episodes, if you pay attention, if you go back to the to the Nightmare on Elm Street. They were rough as fuck on the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And Toddy and I, in particular, took exception to that shit and wanted to set it straight. Which which still was probably uh, went a lot smoother than the Texas Chainsaw. Oh boy, we're which, getting there, boy. Which, which uh, I feel like people people love to listen to that episode. So, it's a folks, if, you're wa- if you want to listen to us fight like sisters, uh, hit episode 125. Where we go back and we cover the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, a revisit, and listen to us duke it out and <laughs> argue over this franchise. That is an episode where if somebody's like, hey, you do a horror podcast? Like, yeah, like, if somebody asks, where should I start? I say, <laughs> if you're a pedestrian, check out episode 125. And people enjoy the shit out of that episode, <laughs> listening to us argue. At one point, I look at Todd and I say, "It's a sad argument you're running." Here. <laughs> after after we fist fight, we met the next week and recorded one twenty six. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, months or years later, we, me and Todd are using <laughs> latitude longitude to find the remnants of the old Texas chainsaw road where the finale is. There's, we got bulls with the huge horns grazing. We're out walking in this field. <laughs> looking around and we finally found part of the road there and I thought this is the guy that just a matter of months ago I was asking him loudly to please let me finish my sentence can I finish? and here we are can I finish? man that was a good episode and also I, I will bring up uh, by episode 110 it's announced that Mad Chan has left the show yeah he's he's decided that he's greener pastures whatever for what you know whatever reasons there are uh he just he separated himself from the show. So that was the last, that was the his last appearance was actually on episode one oh six 
uh, one ten, it's officially announced. He's decided that, that he's gone. And he wasn't present for 98, 99, and 100. That is true. Yeah. That is and true. So that, that kind of... Which was a surprise. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it was. We, we were not expecting that. And so it kind of... It was rather last way. minute. Yes. Yeah. So... Seasons of life, like I say. So from that point on, it... And I don't know that Rybones has been back, and that that's no nobody's fault. That's just life getting yeah. in the way of things. Rybones is... Always welcome back on the show anytime he wants. We got to get him. Well, back. we would be 130 project of the week for him. So <laughs> yeah, he's currently in two bands. Not to mention that the one band he's in, they do three different acts. Oh so. yeah, right. Yeah, he's a busy man. He's a busy dude. A lot of a lot of balls in the air. So <laughs> I think so, Phantasm oddly was the last one we covered. <laughs> so I think uh, other episodes that I I. Worth mentioning, uh, and this is okay. I'm going to bring up 139. It was a monster mash where we covered Deadly Friend. <laughs> I just I just revisited that and texted you guys about it because you did. I went back and listened to it again, and the astonishment from me. That we would pay any kindness. That we watched the same film <laughs> blew my mind. You guys had so much fun with that movie, and like I had fun with it, but like you guys were were like giving it credit as a film, <laughs> and I could not wrap my mind around. Maybe that. it's the West Craven. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's like maybe if you find a, a, a kind of a niche bond over liking a subgenre of movies and there's maybe four great offerings and you do an episode on that subject and everybody's like we don't like one of those <laughs> like the so I know the feeling of like are we looking at the same thing here? I have to mention uh, Howling because I, I, I like it's no surprise I like sequels and franchises good episode the howling okay, was going to be an rough, Was rough, but I love, and I'm not sure who coined the phrase, but boot scooting howling. <laughs> Guilty as charged. By the way, the howling was a great. That was episode 168. Next time I go to LA, I'm going to Pappy and Harriet's <laughs> and documenting where they filmed that. So keep an eye uh, on once we get back to more. And travel. we had a guest on for that one who went to great lengths to be prepared. He yeah. did. We put him to the ringer. Shout out to Jason McCullough. We yeah. gotta, get, gotta get him back. We gotta get him back. Yeah, he drove to Cleveland. Is yes. that correct? To go yeah. get a copy of like the worst entry in that. <laughs> which, which, wasn't that like a like five six hour drive for him to to get yeah. three there three back? Yeah, to yeah. get boot scooting Helen. <laughs> yeah, mm. so bad. And his friend wouldn't let him watch it there with him. Let him take it home. <laughs> keep I, it. Get it the hell out of the house. Uh, and, and good episode. It, isn't that like Great one of our higher? Higher uh, in the I was since say viewed, in the last couple of years, to... it's easily up there as the most downloaded. In episode. the last hundred episodes, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, which which I think I think part of it because man, and we talk about it because because Texas Chainsaw Howling, they're weird franchises because from one to the other, <clears throat> they might not even gel. Well, yeah, and I think people like that they don't have to sit down and watch these. Bingo, and we just watched our suffering as their gift. Howling movies. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, if you haven't watched those movies and you see a podcast put that up, are you really concerned about having those spoiled? True. No. And you know that most of them are going to be bad and you're probably going to get some funny conversation because it, about Because it. if you've watched three of those, 
you bailed. And <laughs> yeah. you can only imagine how bad the rest of it got. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. But, you know, interesting, too, that we've continued this through the pandemic, recording a number of these episodes over Zoom, looking yes. at each other on computer and phone screens. Um, and that was one of them. I mean, that was that's such a unique experience well, to think I, back on. Not that we have that many guests. During the pandemic, we also had Brent Terhune on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my friend and comedian Brent Terhune came on for the Scream Revisit on episode 175. And I will say that that's one thing that uh, the pandemic... And us recording on Zoom did allow us to do was to have guests on. Yeah, that made a things a little easier. bit easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other nice thing was the way we structure this now. Like we're recording this along with two other episodes tonight because we make drives from out of town. With this, it'd just be like okay, every other week Let's get together. On. And I'll be honest with you that that part helped. was nice. That helped with the pandemic too, because and it's and, easier prep. And you're I, with what I mentioned watched. it on our episode where we did uh, where we talked about the pandemic. Uh, after you know, recap after, unpacking the pandemic. Yeah, uh, during that time, my wife had been diagnosed with uh, colon cancer shortly before the fucking world shut down, and all of a sudden, there's this outbreak. And she has a compromised immune system going through chemotherapy. Uh, I was not one of the people who got unemployment for all those months. I had to keep going to work in person. So the pandemic was extra frightening for me because I was scared to death of bringing it home. So we've got you and the pandemic... With a wife who's immunocompromised. We've got the professor who lives and looks after his parents. As well as uh, close contact with nephew. Who uh, is immunocompromised. Who, yeah, he was born with complications with his lungs. So, like, all of my immediate family, I'm hawking. Like, they come first. And we've got Toddy, who works in healthcare, who lives and looks after his elderly father. Yes. And it's like, getting together in person would have just been... Stupid for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So having having the podcast where, and we were recording much more frequently than what we do normally. Uh, we were recording, what, once every two weeks? Pretty yep. much. Yep. Every, the every other Sunday night. That was nice to, number one, was socialization. Yeah. Uh, and so it was nice to have that that often. That kind of helped keep some sanity. And I mentioned before, the other thing that helped me keep my sanity was Joe Bob Briggs. It's like sitting and watching a movie with a buddy. So, definitely helped doing the show that frequently throughout that to to keep me somewhat socialized. But I'll tell you, the pandemic kind of ruined me because I don't like to leave my house to do shit anymore. Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you there. I have to force myself sometimes to pull that band-aid off. Yeah. So, there's kind of a run of the history of the show. Um... We've been talking more about some stuff we're going to do, and so just stay tuned. Uh, we've got some more revisits coming up at some point. We've talked about some different formats. Definitely talking about bringing back uh, Jason McCullough if he's interested because we liked having him as a co-host for that one episode. Um, so, yeah. So I doubt Brent's uh, schedule would allow for a personal Be in person. being here in person, but I'd love to have him. Getting back somehow yeah. involved. Yeah, for sure. And we got to get Brian Blair back on. Absolutely. Yes. So we got to find a topic for that. Drink his uh, strong whiskey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go out and buy Pumpkin Pulp. Uh, I can't remember it's the kind of old, old Hammer. Old Hammer or Old Hammer. 
It's one M. MC Hammer. Yes. <laughs> we can touch that. Sorry, yes. I, I'm off the show now. That was bad. <laughs> so, we've given you a breakdown of the history. We've talked about some favorite episodes. Any favorite episodes or, or, or moments before we move on? Well, my Regarding least favorite was Paranormal Activity. <laughs> I was going to say... Um, the most frustrating experience I've had on this show, I want to talk about real quick because I feel like the episode's also notorious now, and that's Summer. The original. Summer. Yeah, it needs to be talked about because yeah, let's, it, was a let's fun, it. it was a fundamental difference in approach. Um, I had a pretty extensive list prepared for that, <laughs> broken down into categories that you could relate into, like kind of concepts that flowed within the idea of Summer. It wasn't just some specific list. I and mean alphabetized. Yeah, you know, broken down into categories <laughs> to discuss and Mad Chan was just not into it. Yeah. And in, rather than letting you and I take the reins with it, it created one of the most uncomfortable situations I have ever had. Wasn't on this he show. also drunk as fuck? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He yeah. was talking in like a, a almost like R and B voice. And it, he just wasn't involved in the conversation. And so the reason I say that is not to throw shade on him now. It's an entertaining listen to go back and listen <laughs> yeah. to. And he, he, is, and he apologized yes. to uh-huh. Professor after the show. Yes, then smeared a brownie all over my car door on the way home. But that was unintentional. <laughs> um, inter- interesting episode, though. And you can hear it. I th- is that the one where you can hear me? Like sighing? I, and- is, it, is that the episode, though, where I just... I think you found it and pl- isolated it for me in play where you'd hear me go, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, 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 that episode, if the definition of shit in the bed, that's that's the episode. It, it, so it's, what is it, Summer Horror? Yeah, the original. The original Summer Horror. Go, but we revisited that within the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, we did the episode justice. I mean, it's water under the bridge now, but it's more entertaining. But if, if you're going the, through the, the iTunes... It's not the first summer horror you come across. Go go older. Yeah. And listen. Holy shit. Is it bad and entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also been plenty of episodes that I'm very proud of that we've tackled. Uh, but that's one I wanted to make sure we mentioned because that's even kind of infamous within close friends who listen to messages <laughs> just going, what happened there? I enjoyed episode 152, which was a Christmas episode where it was like a mash of watching the utter shock on Grizzly Abner's face when I talked about how much I loved Christmas Evil. <laughs> and I was so excited because I loved that movie. That you had watched it three times in a month. I would watched it two or three times and the look of disbelief on your face because you just got to talk about how, man, just didn't hit for me. I thought it was boring, blah, blah, blah. And it gets around and I said, man, I loved it. I loved this movie and your face. One of the, my favorite moments from recording this show. <laughs> Speaking of Christmas episodes, I just re-listened to ours from last year. Uh, <laughs> in which the many laughs that we had around don't open until Christmas. Not because of the film, but because of the version that we watched. <laughs> and when, when I say that I read a YouTube comment that said, if this movie had one less pixel, you wouldn't be able to see it. <laughs> and like, it's literally five minutes of all of us trying to catch our breath. Oh yeah. From, <laughs> you, the, from the 8-bit graphics? You called it Nintendo 8-bit graphics. <laughs> it's so bad. That YouTube copy is so bad. <laughs> Thanks for picking that one, Professor. Yeah, sorry about that. 
uh, one of my one of my uh, low spots and high spots in uh, again another recent episode was that uh, I didn't prepare properly for the Tim Burton episode. <laughs> <laughs> I I very stupidly did not watch at least like two movies that I could have easily watched that I want to watch. You thought that you were going to wing that one, didn't you? (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) And then Todd talked for an hour about Batman on a horror podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Todd just pulled out an ice pick. (laughs) So... I love that even one of our friends of the show. If we can talk about Congo, we can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> one of the friends of the show and good friend of ours texted me in real life to say, "Boy, you really shit the bed on that Tim Burton to tease me, not make me feel bad, but to tease me." And so I came back the next episode with uh, we were doing um, Robert Hansen and uh, the. Uh, Frozen Ground, the mm-hmm. true crime episode. Oh man, you were armed to the teeth on that. Oh, I I, I read six books about it. <laughs> yeah, you actually killed a couple girls just to be certainly <laughs> understood. And to see if I could understand if I could bury them in Frozen Ground. And I opened that one with the name backwards. I said, "Listen, I'm going to do so good on this Roger Hampton episode." <laughs> so low spot, high spot. You live to fight another. Uh, even more recently, my misery at the Hell House LLC episode. <laughs> 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 oh, I love listening to how unimpressed you are <laughs> the whole episode. It's that's an accurate assumption. Yes. Uh, do do we have any discoveries that you attribute to this podcast that that you are a big fan of because of the show? Because I have one that I always think of. Uh, I brought up Dead and Buried earlier. That mm. was that was one. I think that's uh, a, that's one I would agree on is Dead and Buried. Yeah, awesome. that, that I really uh, enjoyed. Um, Hunchback, pick. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. mm. uh, yes. I've, I've become a huge fan of I Charles think, Lawton because I, of this. I think episode. something that we haven't awesome mentioned though either show. is we sometimes have a weird timing for picks. We do because we had picked Hunchback, and then that's when it caught on fire. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So we re- did we record the episode? We picked it, and then we recorded the episode after it had. Burned. Yes, yeah. I had picked it before Notre Dame had caught on had caught on fire, and then we had recorded by the time it had caught on fire. Just yeah, we do have some odd timing sometimes with the things that we pick. It's weird. And when they're on streaming, we talk laugh about that all the time. Yeah, yeah, but, we'll pick it and then it'll be gone off of every streaming <laughs> platform. Um, but yeah, speaking of Charles Lawton, like I don't, I don't know, Lost Souls, mm-hmm. Old Dark House, yeah, Hunchback of Notre I'm like, oh my god, this guy's one of my favorite actors. He's amazing, and I've never, I never, I would have never known that yeah. if you guys had. He would have thought those. it was that's those awesome. Charlie Chan movies. I don't think you'd ever really articulated that. That's cool. Yeah, he directed. While you're making fun of old movies, thank you. Um, <laughs> he uh, and directed Night of the Hunter. I mean, just yeah, in, in his one movie he directed. Yeah, just a wild talent. The the movie that I always think of with this podcast is Last Shift, um, and that's one that I recommend to people whenever they're like, yep. "What's something newer that I maybe never heard of?" And it, every single person I've ever said, "Check that out," they dig it. Who but picked it? I don't even remember. I don't either. I don't remember who picked it, but I remember. Thinking like I probably wouldn't have watched this. I think watched. that I think that's the thing about the show that that I enjoy is that it challenges me to have to watch things that would be out of my normal parameters yep, that I wouldn't normally watch, and sometimes I'm very surprised and 
I can't think of a prime example right off the top of my head of things that I... Well, okay, uh, Unhinged. I would have never watched that. Same. Yeah. But I did... Wa- no, I don't know that I'll ever watch it again because yeah. it's... It, make me, it but you makes me a ball of anxiety. Yeah. But I really enjoyed the film, and it's not something I ever would have watched normally. So I do like the challenge of uh, watching things that are outside of what I would normally watch. I, I think sometimes even... Uh, even I don't... I go see stuff in the theater, but I don't watch a lot of the... Like, a lot of the... Shudder gets a lot of good movies. Fuck yeah. I do. don't find myself watching a lot of new movies, though, unless I go see it right when it comes out. I think the show kind of makes me, because um, I think of even the um, the Dark and the Wicked. I probably wouldn't even watch that, and I was just trying to find something to pick, and that movie freaked me the fuck out. Um, and I think a lot of the ones you guys have picked, granted, there are a few that I'm just like, why do I have to watch this goddamn movie? But uh, I, I don't know. Like, even, even those... Like, like Shock Treatment? <laughs> I love that movie. You're as cool. Toddy's review. Todd don't even like it. Uh, no, it, that was a, it. Wasn't pick a movie you like. It was dead end sequels. <laughs> uh, if you paid attention to the assignment, <laughs> but no, I think uh, it, it has me revisit movies I haven't watched in a while. It has mm-hmm. me watch movies I've never seen before. Um, I like it when it makes me take a second watch of something that I normally would have written off, like the Howling. Um, I had never seen. Son of Frankenstein till we did this oh, podcast yeah. and that's my favorite Frankenstein movie I had never seen the original Hammer Mummy movie and that's my favorite that's mummy, movie. mummy movie I mean like it the, because of this podcast I mean I picked up you know I've, I've got a Son of Frankenstein figure now in my horror room like yeah, yeah. The, you know these movies is, is there a movie that you've had to been forced to revisit that changed your opinion or anybody, I don't know. I'm quite lucky. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't think of it at the moment. Um, um, I'll just throw out a couple, not specific to that, but a couple of franchises that it really enriched. I'd seen a lot of them before, but The Omen and The Stepfather original um, first few movies there. I forgot how damn good they were, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have went out of my way to watch those. But because we were doing that for the show, especially The Omen, the sequels for that. I was not familiar with until we covered it. Actually, it's a pretty good trilogy. Yeah. I, I will Just say better quality of film than I had expected them. I be. am not a huge fan of found footage, but like exists. Mm. Ooh, really yes, me. that's one of my favorites there, too. That what I was there was something else right around exists, and that I movie say so much ass. abominable. That one, that one was on my radar. But I've yeah, never I seen never, that. I love that one. I had never watched it, but I enjoyed it. But yeah, exists like Man, kind that, of. So actually, true. it kind of blew me out of the water because I'm just like, oh god, another found footage. Uh, that was your pick, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. But there, yeah. yeah, there's a few movies that either that I probably never open. watched or good. Primal Rage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a weird one. That's good. Was that yeah. Sasquatch? Yep. That's the yeah. other one I was trying to think of. Yep. Was that where he's rapey? That's the one. Where... <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool sounds. Probably. Uh, Candyman. I did not like Candyman the first time I watched it because he was supposed. I thought he was a slasher like Freddy yep. or Jason. I agree with, and that. I didn't like it then. We had to revisit it for the podcast to do the franchise. Was not looking forward to it, and Candyman is now one of my that, top favorites. That makes I, me happy. I wasn't on the show at that time, but you guys do, and I listened obviously at that time. 
that episode made me go back and watch Candyman again because I was the same way. I wanted Jason. I wanted Freddy. I didn't get that yeah. out of Candyman. But when I went back to it now, with frankly a more mature mindset and not expect it, not going and expecting one thing. You watch it now, and you're like, oh, this is actually the scariest movie from that decade. Holy shit, this yeah. is good. And just smart. It was just yeah. smart. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Smarter than the other ones, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Because sure. I felt the same way back then when it came out, but I had watched it in more recent years, and I knew if we covered it, there was a good chance, especially you, would yeah. get more out of it. I had heard you were looking for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> Still got that video on my phone. played all the time. <laughs> Uh, real quick, again, another one. I watched Phantasm early in my horror movie fanhood and was not impressed by it. Uh, when I found Hot Toddy and his boxers watching Phantasm 2 <laughs> in my house, I was like, excited you. this is kind of tight. This is kind of tight. It was the four-barrel shotgun that got me. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's guilty as charged. <laughs> and then revisiting and then watching the Phantasm franchise. I love Phantasm now, but I didn't back then. When we're going to make Vinny be on the revisit. I don't agree. Which is I the perfect thing for this show Boy. because I, I, I feel like it's uh, equally as fun to force people to watch shit too. Occasionally that is a good and, time. And I'll say because we, we went through a phase of hate picking. Well, and we've mentioned Scream and Candyman and that's the cool thing too is most of these always have another entry coming out. So there's always a chance to revisit these like paranormal activity. Hooray. <laughs> or Leprechaun. All right, so I think we've done good coverage. Oh, I thought of a one more <laughs> in yeah. your face. Well, I was gonna say, and Bone Tomahawk, and I love oh, Kurt yeah. Russell, and I just and it's not that I didn't you, want to you watch don't, the movie. Yeah, you don't love Kurt Russell. You love <laughs> Kurt Russell. I didn't want to go there. <laughs> I'm shy, but yeah, uh, it looked good. It was something I wanted to watch. I was not expecting it to be. I mean, it was gross and and. Just when's the last time you sat down to watch a western <laughs> and it goes that direction? When's the last time uh, that you really watched a western that was horror blazing related? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when's the last that- time you watched a western that opened with Sid Haig and uh, uh, David Arquette? <laughs> that was a very unique movie, yeah, very unique. So yeah, that one. That one was again one that I probably would have would not have watched. Yeah, I mean I, that's not. I don't know if that's necessarily well, even true. I do kind of like westerns, but I don't know that that just would have been the one. Some of the Let's stuff, be honest, it looked like a dollar bin movie. Well, I was gonna that's say fair. some but of these. Some the of these look like the video movie of the week because Frozen Ground is another one that man John Cusack and Nick Cage were putting out a movie a week on video. Yeah. Frozen Ground. Yeah, if I'd have seen never, that, if I'd have seen that cover, I'd have never. Yeah, watched. never. Yeah, never. And it was really good. It was. Yeah. Good times. All right. We have been going on for almost an hour and a half. And it's been a great episode. But I want to give the folks what we told them we were going to give them. Our favorite non-genre stuff. Oh, yeah. So let's do... Get fun closer. Just, let's, let's wrap up with just some rapid fire non-genre films. So anything that's not horror that we enjoy. Um, and they on the Elric that we've mentioned on the show recently. They do, on their show they call it handshake movies, like five movies that they don't necessarily mean they're the best movies you've ever seen, but five movies that are you. And we don't have to do five, but yeah. it's kind of that idea. So like um, my 
interest for movies is everything. Like, old, new, foreign. Like, I watch everything. Uh, but just right off the top of my head, some things that are very me. Brian De Palma. I love Blowout, Body Devil. Which, Body Devil, I could probably sneak on this show. Okay. There's enough horror elements to it. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go too hardcore on this because I could go in a bazillion directions. Can I? All right, let me do let me do one here. Okay. All right, let me let me look at all of us and look at directors that we all love and ask you what your favorite is of these directors. I'm down. Martin Scorsese. We all love Martin Scorsese. Tell me what's your favorite Scorsese movie. In terms of my just personal enjoyment or accomplishment of his. You. Goodfellas. I'm going to agree with Goodfellas. Concur. Same. I love Casino. At the end of... See, like, something like Raging Bull is a technical masterpiece. Yeah. But I would rather watch Goodfellas any day of the week. See, that's the thing, too. I think I personally like Casino more, but I watch Goodfellas more. Yeah. And I also, low-key, I love Gangs of New York, and I'm pissed that there's not a good Blu-ray version of it. Yeah. Like, where it with an alternate ending would be even cooler. <laughs> I'm just talking about <laughs> good definition. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, okay, <laughs> so we're all around the table, good fellas. Yeah. Taxi guys. Driver would be right there. Ooh, oh, Taxi Driver is great. The He's, older I get, what? Todd's never seen Taxi huh? Driver. Get oh, out. You know. 200's a good show to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> we could almost, that could almost be a horror movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. The older I get, the more I understand Taxi Driver. It's such a damn good movie. Uh, okay, while Vinny's gone, peeing again, listeners, as we told you about before, <laughs> uh, I know he's probably never seen a Wes Anderson movie. Uh, I know the professor and I are big Wes Anderson fans. Toddy? Not like? a big fan, and so this one's easy for me, is... Um, is it the Royal Tenenbaums that's in the hotel? Which was the hotel? Uh, Royal lived at the Waldorf Astoria. Yeah. Or are you talking about the Grand Budapest Hotel? Grand Budapest. So you're a Grand Budapest fan? Yes. I think that got him an Oscar nod, so that's fair. Professor. Grand Budapest will probably end up being my favorite. Wow. But for now, it's Rushmore. Okay. I just, I I've loved Rushmore for way too long to just anoint a new one over it. But I think Grand Budapest is him at his peak. Yeah, with his complete embracing of flavor and style, and the storytelling's wonderful in it. I've only seen it once. I loved it, but yeah. I've only seen it once. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shock the world. I've been a lifelong uh, proponent of Royal Tenenbaums. And I still love the Royal Tenenbaums, but as I have aged and watch it more, The Life Aquatic yes. is such a beautiful film. It is that makes me cry. It's Every so time good. I watch it, and I love the Life Aquatic. Vinny, have you ever watched a Wes Anderson movie? I've seen several Wes Anderson. Do, Do you like any of them? Uh, I I like them well enough, but it's not revisit worthy for me. Okay, I love Bill Murray. Yeah, in general. Yeah, and so those that's really what got me to watch the films. Um, like I say, I've probably I've seen most of them, but I. I couldn't tell you a favorite. I'm just not that emotionally invested. Sure. I'm liking this style, though. Keep it going. Okay. All right. Another one that's going to go big around the table. We all, obviously, are crazy about Tarantino. Favorite Tarantino movie. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Everybody knows I am. (laughs) You and me are going to be so on brand on this. It's going to suck the system. 
Yeah, love that movie. I mean, I've already I was already at filming locations before the movie had even been out like six months. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm obsessed with it. So, I, lifelong Pulp Fiction is one of the most important movies I've ever experienced. It yeah. changed me as a young person yeah. and my understanding of new movies. Um, but once upon a time in Hollywood, it's like generational special as oh, a movie yeah. goer. Oh yeah, I have to say that it's between Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs for me, and I don't. And I think a lot of that is because of the age that I was. I was a teenager uh, when I saw these movies, and they changed everything for me. Um, it just they were so different than everything else I had ever seen. Yeah. And I have recently, within the last three months, watched both of those again after taking a long hiatus because I had worn them out. I had watched yeah. them so many times. I had the soundtracks, you know. So, I mean, it's probably been 15 years since I'd watched either one. And I watched them again. They both still stand up to the test of time. The only thing that I may give the edge to Reservoir Dogs on is that Reservoir Dogs so relies on the actors and the writing. Because he hadn't gotten the budgets yet that he even had for Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that even reflects in the actors that he had. They weren't Bruce Willis, you know what I mean? They weren't. Not that John Travolta was the top of his of his game or anything, yeah. uh, but I think Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs might inch out Pulp Fiction, but just barely. Yeah, it's fair, Toddy. Uh, well, I would always say for me, Pulp Fiction just kind of missed me when it first came out, and Reservoir Dogs, I I just couldn't get it. it Reservoir Dogs, I had to watch later. To me, I always love Jackie Brown, mm-hmm. and but yes. I would say, probably because of the the, the movie going experience, I love Grindhouse mm-hmm. and the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We drove out of town to see a thirty-five millimeter print the early screening night, and it's the single-handed best experience I've ever had in a theater because the release with the ending was insane in the theater. Like people. It was like because everybody knew the gloom that was coming. Sure, sure. I remember sitting there going, "What the fuck?" While I was watching it, and then when the violence hits, it releases, and people were standing up in there, just blood curdling, screaming, cheering, and it was just like this two plus hour letting go. It was so great. Um. So. To follow Professor's lead and to be on brand, it's very on brand for him to once upon a time in Hollywood be his favorite. I'm a big Western guy. Django Unchained is my favorite Tarantino movie. I love Reservoir Dogs. I it it beats Pulp Fiction for me just because of when I saw it. Uh, I'm also crazy about Kill Bill. Crazy about Kill Bill. The first one I saw in the theater though was Jackie Brown, and so it always has a special place in my heart. I love all of them. Love all of them. But Django, for me, at the end of the day, is a masterpiece. Inglorious would be my honorable mention. Yep, love that one too. All right, um, here we go. Let's switch it up just a hair. Disney. Favorite Disney film? Mm. That one's tough. Jungle Book. Jungle Book? Always has been. Man, that's tough for me. I have a handful of them. I do love Pinocchio, though. Okay. I think Pinocchio and Snow White are the pinnacle of achievement in animation for them. Man, when you look at the year that Pinocchio was made, and Snow White, those early ones, I mean... The artistry's... Just astounding. Yeah, there's reflection in the water in Pinocchio. 
I mean, that's blowing people's mind. And the other thing, the other thing that I like about those old ones, and uh, there's an episode of Making Monsters where uh, Distortions Ed and Marsha make a prop for Dick Van Dyke for his trick or treaters, Uh, and Dick Van Dyke says that Walt Disney told him that kids love to be scared, Mm. and that's why he would always put. Scary Some sequences scary in those early movies, yeah. and Pinocchio absolutely. Oh yeah, with that that island where those kids are turning into donkeys and shit. That's yeah. disturbing. <laughs> Most shit. of the whale in general. That's yeah, Monstro is. So I would say with Disney, my favorites for Disney. I'll throw out. I'll pepper you with three. Is Pinocchio four? Pinocchio, Dumbo, um, Peter Pan, and Tarzan. Those are my favorites. Yeah, I would, if we're doing multiples, my other ones would be Peter Pan and The Lion King. I was going to say, I remember your Lion King blanket in college. Oh, yeah. Toddy. Um, hmm. Toddy just had a mental break. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, like, again, like, and especially, like, you know, you just said, like, because Pinocchio's 41, it's Snow White's like 37. Um, I love those movies, and I love, like, like uh, a lot of the classic uh Honestly, though, it's probably because uh, they kind of came out. Um, I feel like, too, you become a teenager and you're an asshole and you hate everything. But, man, I just couldn't hate Lion King and I couldn't hate Aladdin. But to me, like, I think it made me fall back in love with Disney. It was a little mermaid. Mm. Mm. Uh, my number one is probably Aladdin. Uh, yeah. Aladdin hits for me. I love Aladdin. Uh, runners up. Uh, here's one. It's going to buck the whole system. Beauty and the Beast. My mom took me to the theater oh, to see Beauty. Time. That is a good one. <laughs> My mom took it me to see good. Beauty and the Beast, and as a young boy, I was so embarrassed to be going to see Beauty and the Beast. I was and like, "Not like a bitch." And, and going to see it with my mom. I was going to be a theater full of girls, and I was like, oh, "I don't want to be gay," you know. You know, <laughs> it's just you were, yeah, yeah. And I, I love it, man. I love Beauty yeah. and the Beast, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, and uh, I'm a big Mark from Moana. New one. I think Moana is a fantastic. I just remember Todd saying that name a bunch. Man, man, I'll talk. I I don't know if you've seen. I've only watched it once, but man, uh, Coco is like. Oh my god, that's a Disney one. That one wiped me out too. Though I watch it every All Saints Day. Hmm. I cry every All Saints Day when I watch Coco. I love Coco. I think it'd be easier if you just asked us the worst Disney movies. All right, uh, another one, controversial one, because of he's fallen out of favor in recent years. Kevin Smith. All of us grew up on Kevin Smith. Let's sure. be honest. We're all influenced by Kevin Smith. Our humor. Uh, I, our, I'm, our... I'm going to be honest. It kind of aggravates me that he, when he was making the movie, he sold out every movie that I loved of him. Like he was like, I'm not making any goofy movies like Mallrats anymore. And then after it wasn't a hit, then he sold out Jersey Girl. But I like Jersey Girl. I thought it was a good movie. Um, it had a lot of heart. So Jersey Girl. But then if if I'm going. Like a stupid Kevin Smith movie, I love Mallrats. No, Mallrats is my one. Yeah, and I, I should 100%. say I should Dog say Man. Clerks resonates for me, but I just never. <clears throat> the, I think that's the time period those came out because I again like man, I love animation, I love quirky stuff. I mean, when you were a teenager, like all the shows I loved growing up, I quit watching like Roseanne. There was just this time period, and all those movies like Clerks and Pulp Fiction were all coming out that same time period. I really didn't like shit except for movie maybe like Basic Instinct or yeah. Kevin Smith's first three movies are the ones for me. Uh, Clerks, Small Rats, and Chasing Amy. Those sure. those are the Chasing Amy is really good. Those yeah, are the and that's the original Askew universe. Yeah, but but yeah. I think honestly, 
it was mall rats for me because I was Brody. That's yeah. who I was when I was in my <laughs> late teens, early 20s. Mallrats and Clerks both made a very big impact on me earlier on, but just sheer entertainment value now, Dogma, Yeah, that's the one that there's no age difference. Like, when I watch Mallrats, I think about being younger and really enjoying it. When yeah. I watch Dogma, I'm just entertained. Yeah, same here. I think it's I, great filmmaking. Identical. Uh, Mallrats changed my life. I watched Mallrats and Dazed and Confused the same night when I was 14, and it changed my life. Two of the best movies. Dazed and Confused is so good. Oh, uh, yeah, that's on my list here, too. But, like, those two, me and Jason Shoemaker, Mallrats, Dogma, and a 16-inch Jason's Curios pizza. brought you and I together. Yeah, exactly. Jason uh, puked, in, puked in my sink and a whole French fry came out. <laughs> Shout out. Jason Shoemaker, a.k.a. Big Scoo. Big Scoo Talk. Uh <laughs> But right now, hanging in my living room is a Dogma poster. Yep. Right? So, Mallrats and Dogma, always going to be the tops. Uh, all right. Before we just go into rapid fire, um, <laughs> here we go. Favorite Adam Sandler movie? Mm. I'm going to go first. Happy Gilmore. I grew up playing golf. Happy Gilmore is always B- going to I thought for sure you were going to say Little Nicky. Billy Madison. I do love uh, Little, Little Nicky's my runner-up, and that pisses no. everybody off. That movie. Oh, man. I actually took a date to that pile of shit. <laughs> what a mistake that was. Billy, Billy Madison, uh, when I first watched it, there's a few SNL movies where it took me the second viewing to really enjoy it. Yeah. But, man, Happy Gilmore. Uh, um, that's probably one of my His topics. first two were a big deal to me growing up, but... Overall, the wedding singer at this point. Oh, that's a great. I love that. I, the wedding singer was the one that, like, I think it showcases everything he has to offer. I agree. It, it gives you that the the angry thing that he does in a lot of movies, mm-hmm. but it also gave you a sensitivity, and it is undeniable the chemistry that he and Drew Barrymore. I was going to say Fifty First Dates again. Such a great another movie. one, though. yeah. And it was so during that time. It was so obvious to me because. I knew Adam because I was an SNL kid. You know, I I, st- I stayed up and watched SNL all the time. And I came up on his comedy albums. Yes, and his comedy albums too. See that shampoo bottle over there? <laughs> but it was, so, it was so obvious that Adam was in love with Drew. Yeah. And like anything that they did, like MTV, I remember Drew Barrymore would be in some other movie and Adam would be like, Adam Sandler, what are you doing? He's like, uh, you know, just uh, here to... Here to support my girl Drew, and it's like you have such a crush on Drew <laughs> yep. Barrymore, like so obvious. But I, I would say, as dumb as it is, I love Billy Madison. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's so, funny. so stupid. Yeah, those first two are still. Hilarious. Tell me what sells the deal for Billy Madison is that they have the also. musical number and nobody wakes up. It's just a musical number in that movie. <laughs> yeah. That and uh, and and he the, the shampoo. <laughs> So quote so dumb, but I loved it. Uh, the Billy Madison has to be on there because I feel like we hear that quote all the time. Is uh, the Jeopardy, uh, the Jeopardy uh, categories? Um. All right, another one, last one here. Uh, Christopher Guest, favorite Christopher Guest film? Oh, Either Spinal Tap or Best in Show. Now, now, did Christopher Guest direct Spinal Tap? Rob Reiner. Okay, yeah, that's right. That was Rob Reiner. So, I mean, if you're talking him starring in movies, it's Spinal Tap and Princess Bride. Yeah. Uh, If you're talking about a Christopher Guest film, 
Uh, Mighty Wind. Best in Show is really yeah. fucking funny. It, it, it's really hard for Mighty me. Mighty Wind, and for your consideration, between. I like what Best in Show. Best in Show. <laughs> <laughs> like a Mighty Wind, though, man, you go look up some of the, the acts from that era and you realize they just they nail it. <laughs> yes. It's perfect. That, that, that whole crew, like that crew is just. And that, that's an improv background to all those people, too. Yeah. Yeah. Can we spend 20 minutes talking about Paul Thomas Anderson? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can. No, I'm just kidding. Go, I'm, I'm digging these, though. All right, that's, uh, all right, one last one here, Cohen Brothers. This is legit last. Oh, that's, that's uh, I think, pretty easy for me. Big Lebowski. I think... <sighs> this is Sophie's choice. If you're making me choose between The Big Lebowski and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou... Like, I love Oh Brother, but it's not even close for me. Like, Big Lebowski <laughs> buries the rest of them yeah. for me. I think I, I have a Big Lebowski tattoo. Right. And I've got Richard Nixon bowling as a poster. I think Oh Brother was charming and stuff, but Big Lebowski. Yeah. Well, you're all wrong. Oh, what is it? It's Raising Arizona. Big Lebowski is like a top ten movie of all time, period, for me. Do you know... How many times I watched Raising Arizona on sick days from school because we had dad had copied it. Like I, I love that movie. Interesting uh, fact on uh, the Big Lebowski on the special edition DVD. Uh, I am in the bonus features. You can see my profile sitting in a bowling alley at Lebowski Fest. With a cigarette in my hand, sitting in the bowling alley. Uh, they're filming Jeff the Dude Dowd, who is based off of. Are yeah. you going to sign our autographs or what? But I am in the. You can catch my profile in in the bonus features. So I'm kind of a poser because I, that's my favorite. But he's been to Lebowski Fest, and I haven't. So <laughs> fuck my ass. All right, so that's that's my shot. Um, everything I've got is just me running down random movies that are my favorite movies. Okay, I've got a question, not to put you on the spot, but is if, if are there any movies that you have a deep emotional attachment to and why? I will start to give you guys time to think about it if you might have one. Uh, the Outsiders. Um, middle school was incredibly tough for me. I was bullied. I think it was for a lot of people. Well, it was different for me, like even teachers driving me home. Like, I, I was not ready for middle school. And we um, covered the book in my lit class and when we got done with the book then we got to watch the movie in class well we could only watch part of it on um, a Friday and so we were going to pick it up on Monday well this story meant a lot to me because there was you know this this group of kids from the poor side of town and some of them really weren't meant to be involved with some of the tough realities that the world were giving them at a young age which I related to a lot in middle school and so I, it was a, a fine hour for my dad. He drove me around Richmond until we found that damn movie at a rental place and mm. so I could finish it that night. And ever since then, he's written the line from the movie Stay Gold on anything he's left for me in note form. I got it tattooed on my arm. So that's more than just a movie to me. Like, yeah. that was a big deal. Um, and so that's just one that, it's in my DNA. I was yeah. curious if there's anything like that you guys have that's on a deeper level, movie-wise. This is one that means a lot to me, and again, is a connection to my father, but like we've never watched together and never even talked about, but Tim Burton's Big Fish. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys 
you guys know my dad, Big O. He's a larger-than-life kind of guy. I kind of understand. Like, we've got a good relationship, unlike the father-son in the film, but, like, it's just this idea of, like, my dad just being this guy. You know what I mean? That's like, and it's like, I, I'm pretty sure all of his stories are true, but it's like, man, he's, he's done a lot in his life, you know? And so Big Fish mm-hmm. is, has been a big one for me. And it's, you know, a random Tim Burton pick. Uh, this is different. I think than what you guys are alluding to, but a movie. I I had the flu. This has been, God, I don't know how many years ago. Within the last ten years, but I had the flu and I was home from work. And I was on the couch and I watched, uh, and I had seen it before, but I I rewatched AI. Mm. And there's toward the end when David, when they. Uh, so you put your mic in there? Yeah, it's a good. <laughs> when they find, when they find the lock of David's mother's hair in the teddy bear, mm. and they clone her, and he has her for a day. In that moment, I realized my own mother's mortality. Ah, so my mom is still with me. Yeah, we went bigger than movies though in that moment, and I bawled like a fucking baby. Yeah, That's through the rest of that movie. And I have never been able to watch it again yeah. since. Those are interesting, though. Those profound moments where we we connect to material in our own ways. And and I, like I say, I had seen it before. No effect on yeah, me that. But way. it opened up a door. But in that moment, in that particular time that I watched it, fucking wrecked me. Yeah. Uh, but a, an odd movie uh, for something that has significance at various points in my life. <laughs> is Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Mm, yep. Um, I'm a fan on that, of that on so many levels. Pee Wee Paul slash Paul Rubens was such an influence on me as I look back now comedically and what influenced what I think is funny um, from the stage show he did with the Groundlings and all that kind of thing. But also, it was something that I watched a shitload as a kid. I remember seeing it at the theater with my parents. Something I connected with my best friend Adam Glass when I was a kid, and it was actually, it was the first movie I watched with my wife. <laughs> so it's just had a weird significance yeah, at several points emerging. in my life, and it's not like it carries a shitload of emotional attachment like that situation with AI. But it's just something that com- always is reappearing. In my life. Yeah, it's like that that pet or throw blanket when it's like one day it hits you like, oh, this has been here a lot for yeah, me at yeah. different points. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said earlier, like I, I, like I remember almost every movie I've ever seen in the theater and who I saw it with. And there's just some movies that remind me, like, like sometimes maybe like an, an aunt that's past birthday will come up. So I'll like watch beaches or something. But to me, a movie and it's, it's, you know, um, I haven't watched it for the season yet, but Christmas vacation just reminds me of my family. Um, my mom loves Christmas movies. That's like probably it seems to be like the movie she watches the most of. Um, so I don't know that movie just like hits me in a certain way, but I will tell you, I think something that just um, I hadn't seen it in a while, and we went and saw E.T. a couple months ago. Um, and man, that movie just hits you. It's and it's it's just it's like I remember I remember the first time I saw it, like going to the theater. It was like damn, I remember seeing this as. A four-year-old. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. 82. I would have been like four years old. Yep. Um, I remember it. 
it's probably one of my first. I was trying to think what my first movie had to have been that I can remember, and it was it had to be like either like Superman two maybe or like I think Bambi had a reissue around the same point or E T are the earliest ones that I can I can actually remember going the yeah. the movies and see. But um, there's just all kinds of uh, different movies for me. But like like just in um, in this one probably probably like Christmas Vacation. And it, it, I really hate hearing behind the story stuff because there's so many like Chevy Chase movies. He's that an are, absolute fucking cunt. And that's I hate hearing it. But like Christmas Vacation is just like the perfect. Like I love Vacation, and I mean it's odd that it's the third in a series, and it's probably the best of the series in yeah. my opinion. And I think it's because it has like that touch of a like holiday movie. But but again, we even watched just I think that's some of the Christmas movies because we just watched Home Alone the other day and. Um, it's a wonderful life. I think I've attached to that more as an adult because when I watch it now, one of the few things I can't watch more. without weeping. Being being <laughs> movie and TV people, um, there are a, a couple of celebrities that it's very odd to me the connection that I feel to them. Uh, Bill Bixby. Because my dad watched the Hulk series, because he was a comic book collector from the time he was a little kid, he always watched that show. And when I see Bill Bixby on television, like in reruns of the Hulk, it hits me weird. Because he was in my living room from the time I can remember that I almost have more of a connection with him than I think just a person who was on TV. And that's the way I felt also when Robin Williams died. Yeah. I felt it's they were more than just a person on television because they had been in my house and in front of me so much my entire life mm-hmm. that it had a completely different effect on me. Yeah. I'll tell you how strong because I, I mean, like in the situation and how it happened and stuff too. Because make I think it makes it harder than if Robin Williams would have just died of like cancer or something. Because you know, I mean, there's reasons that he did it, but it's like man, he took his own life and. I noticed how bad it affected me without realizing it was that, um, kind of like Whitney Houston's death even, I, I love watching The Bodyguard, um, but I hadn't watched a Whitney Houston movie until like almost two years from her passing. And Robin Williams was the same way, not that I intentionally avoided it, but I, I, I guess I kind of did, and I sat down and watched Mrs. Doubtfire about two years after he had passed away, and man, that movie hit me. And then just some of the lines he says in the movie, and I just, I was like, Blown away, and but I feel like I grew up with Rob Williams. Cause yes, they. It's weird how they feel like they were almost a part of your family because of how often they were in your living room. And and, and yeah. Rob, like Robin Williams, like will be over. There's okay. uh there's there's certain actors that I feel like if you know Julia Roberts, if they had a movie coming out, that's what my mom wanted to see, and we would be going to see it. You know, it didn't matter. I feel like that doesn't happen a lot now. Like now, it's just if a movie looks good, people go see it. But I feel like when we grew up. There's certain actors that you heard they were making a movie, you were going to see it. Yeah. I think there's a whole generation that's going to feel that way about Robert Downey Jr. Hmm. Because yeah. of that connection Tony Stark had with sure. so many people. Sure. Sure. Uh, just real quick before we move on to anything else, uh, with talking about movies, deep connections to a, a more modern one was Silver Linings Playbook. Mm. Um, so good. The thing I kind of left out earlier in between jobs was my life fell apart. 
Yeah. Uh, when I left the apartment industry, I had a tough time with that. Um, basically, a nervous breakdown. And I'm not embarrassed to talk about it. Mental health is important. I was right. struggling, and so I went back home with my tail tucked. And in the movie, so does Bradley Cooper. And they they really tap into some important tones and conversations. That movie means a lot to me still because of that. I didn't relate directly to his situation, well, many different circumstances, but... Um, it was a crutch and and one that I I value. I think it's a damn good movie. It's a um, brilliant movie. And then recently, the very ending of Jojo Rabbit with the quote oh. um, is the most leveled I've been from a movie in recent memory. That was a, so those are th- those are a couple of things at different intervals that, that I really was a, connected a, a to. A deep day because we did a double feature of Jojo Rabbit and Parasite. Parasite. <laughs> yep. Oof. Yep. Back to back down at the neon. But yeah, I want to make sure I mentioned those because kind of good connections there. Yeah. Any other topics we want to throw around? I want to ask this since we brought him up. Favorite Robin Williams movie? Um, Top three. Doubtfire, Jumanji, Patch Adams. Patch Adams wrecks me. Um, mine's heavier. I always liked his straight stuff more than I did his comedy. Uh, Dead Poet Society, Awakenings, and Good Will Hunting. I think he's... Fantastic! In My brother place. loves the world according to Garp. Mm, yeah, uh, but for me, it's what? Popeye. Oh yeah, Popeye. Oh, I love Pop. I love him as Popeye, and I also love that movie was a love letter to Elsie Seeker, who yeah. created Popeye in the comics. Yeah, you want a tough watch? Throw on What Dreams May Come. Oh, Ooh. I love that. Was tough when he was here. I loved that movie, and I bought it. And ended up getting rid of it because I could never bring myself to watch it again. Yeah. I loved, thought it was great, but it was so heavy that I just couldn't do it anymore. The, my favorite retro act of viewing, though, is Dead Poet Society. Because in many ways, what he leaves his students in that, he kind of left the world. And, and I, I didn't realize how big of a loss he was until it happened. And I watched my generation just be heartbroken. Yes. Like, Holy shit. Like... This is affecting way more people than the usual performers yes, do. hundred percent. I would say uh, Mrs. Doubtfire Aladdin. Yeah. I I had never seen What Dreams May Come, and so my current wife showed that to me with the understanding of kind of the trigger that it would have. You're gonna cry your motherfucking eyes out. Yeah, with my with the passing of my first wife, and so that was a very special moment for the both of us to share that for yeah. her to share that with me. To acknowledge that it's it's a good film, but also but it's going to be rough. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, to say it's it's still worth seeing. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Without yeah. question. I, I think that's something important about movies too. Is it's sometimes it's it's a better way to deal with grief. Sometimes, I think something if we're going to talk about modern movies is I didn't experience, but I think Love Simon is highly important because it's the John Hughes love story, but it's a gay character. Yeah. That gets it. Um, I say John Hughes because he had no, no involvement, but just kind of the teen comedy drama. But uh, man, Perks of Being a Wallflower, that hit me hard. Love that one. But important book, too. Very All right. Fun. We lighten the mood a little bit here. Favorite movie that made you cry? <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites. Oh, man, Robin Williams' Birdcage. <laughs> I just went blank on that one. Uh, I love Animal House, Caddyshack, 
But to me, one of my favorite, funniest movies, probably in my top five comedies of all time, Comedy. if not number one, Coming to America. Mm. Oh, that's Eddie a, Murphy. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, that's up there. We, uh, we already mentioned The Big Lebowski, so I won't mention that. Uh, Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. Um, Duck Soup from the Marx Brothers. Yes. Those are two movies right off the top of my head that I laugh out loud at. Every time. I've seen them so many times. The audience should know that Professor had a duck soup poster in his living room in his early 20s. Yes, that is true. This is no I challenge you to find another man. That was a panty driver. Which which Marx Brothers movie has the lemonade and peanut stand bit? Uh, Horse Feathers. That. That's the other funniest. Kills me. Yeah. That one's great. And a movie that I absolutely... Love and has a connection for me from early childhood until now is the Blues Brothers. Mm. I love that movie, and I, I, I think that also I did, I was a person who coming up I didn't notice who directors were. I didn't pay attention to the credits. To me, it was who the actor was who was driving the project is what I paid attention to. So it wasn't until I was older and I started noticing that, oh, wow, I like a shitload of John Carpenter movies. Mm, yeah. or And I realized I like John Landis movies mm-hmm. a lot. But The Blues Brothers, for me, is one that, that I absolutely adored. Um, and still do. Yeah, that's that's a tough one because there's so many. I would say some top comedies for me is A Fish Called Wanda. Ooh, yeah, I just watched that one a couple of um, I've never ago. seen it. It's funny. The Naked Gun. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and whenever Todd and I are traveling, if we see anything that looks like breasts off the side of the road, we will quote the movie. One of whoever sees it first. Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Now, see, so had I Had me crying, <laughs> laughing in the theater during that whole uh, Jerry Springer. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Which, which, also, which also a sequel that is superior to the original. Yes, I will agree. And then he. Shits the so yeah, from that era that still hold up that I loved then and do now, Mike Myers, Wayne's World, and So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh yeah, and uh, then Tommy Boy. Those are ones that That's I still say, watch. I love both of those. Tommy Boy and Friday. Both of those came out on top of each other. I was gonna say we have to talk about Friday. Oh yeah, especially Professor yes. and I. <laughs> we got uh, starting uh, my friend, uh, our friend John Porter, starting in like eighth grade. And then through high school, we watched Friday probably every weekend. It was starting to get unhealthy. Uh, I, I feel like Friday was a cultural phenomenon. Well, I feel yeah. I feel like too that that comedy is every like, Friday night. Comedy is oh, very yeah. much like horror because because like like I remember Scream came out. Part of the fun of watching Scream was watching it with people that hadn't seen it. So I would go to somebody's house and watch it. And same thing with some of these comedies like Tommy Boy and Friday. Oh, you haven't seen that? I'm coming over. Because same way, if it's like a hilarious movie, it's kind of it's it's just really fun to watch with other people. Borat is the hardest <laughs> that I've ever laughed in a movie. Borat theater. was pretty fun in my entire life. Say. Where he's wrestling naked with his manager, <laughs> I was in tears, and that was one of those moments where, where being in a room with an audience makes a difference. Yes. It makes an experience that much better. Watching Borat in the theater was... <laughs> that's a feeling I've never had since. We, uh, uh, Jackass 3D was another one where, number one, it was when that resurgence of 3D where it was different than the red and blue lenses. Yeah. 
And I saw that, and also being in an audience made that difference too, and made that. And boy, those are some rock hilarious. hilarious. Well, and, and again, movies, yeah. I mentioned that, that that's kind of the movie going experience. But I I just went and saw Planes, Trains, and Automobiles for the first time in the theater, and there wasn't a lot of people in the movie theater. But like, I mean, there was like uh, four of us, and then there's several other groups, and, and just everybody. I'm sure everybody's seen it before, but everybody's just cracking up at it because I'd never seen that until last year. Oh, I, love I just movie. saw it two years ago, and love it. I was shocked. I'm not a huge John Candy fan. Oh, uh, but <laughs> that movie has such Uncle Buck. That's not such one of heart. Uh, such heart, yeah, and and it's because it's John Candy in that I was gonna role say Uncle that makes that work so well. Yeah. Uncle Buck and Great Outdoors are two of my other favorites. I like Summer Summer Rental. Rental. Never seen Summer Rental. Love Summer Rental. Summer Rental. Yeah, Plain Strange is great though. Uh, all right. So I was gonna say too. Uh, it's kind of more. I, I, the first one's the best, but I I do have a weak spot for Police Academy movies. Yeah, I have a weak spot for the first half oh, hour. The jerk. the jerk is great. I was gonna say we haven't really talked about the Steve original much. Arthur. Oh. The first half hour of that makes me laugh as hard as anything. Like when he's out with the hookers <laughs> and he thinks he's doing great on a date. He's like, "You're a hooker." I just thought I was doing really well. Oh, that movie. He was so damn funny as a drunk. Can we talk about some modern ones that I know Professor and I were particularly fond of in our mid-twenties? Can we throw out something like Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Superbad? Oh, yeah. That whole <laughs> that whole Judd Apatow out in the Freaks and Geeks and everything that blossomed from there. Were yes. those movies. I think out. I think I think two of my like er, uh, like early adulthood was Kingpin and something <laughs> oh, about yeah. Mary. Fairly, fairly Kingpin fucking brothers. Killed which me. which I'm gonna be honest too, Dumb and Dumber. I found Dumb and Dumber hilarious too. Oh, that's the hardest I've ever laughed in the theater was Dumb and Dumber. I was at the right age when that came out. <laughs> I remember which, which that's a, a something, yeah, forgetting some, Sarah Marshall. Something I, I greatly Jack Black hit me like that Tenacious D era that came out when their mm-hmm. album came out and the whole HBO thing I had discovered at one point. That was huge for me too. Throw out some other random nineties one, Joe Dirt, Joe Dirt, oh, Saving yeah. Silverman. Yes, yeah, Saving Silverman. That was the other one I was I watched every day. My first year up here in Muncie, we watched it That's all the time back in college. Jack Black. Uh, I was thinking. Of yep. Also, which which coming to America is one of my favorite movies. Period. But Trading Places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna go some Saturday Night Live cast. What's your favorite Pauly Shore movie? Encino Man. <laughs> Yikes! I was gonna say he's only got like two. Good yeah, ones. there's like two <laughs> good ones. Go to hell. <laughs> no, I didn't like that one. Encino <laughs> Man and Son in Law. Those are the only two good Encino ones. Those are the only two good ones. Encino Man is the one that was my jam, though. I was obsessed. But with I'll tell movie. you this being a person who was uh, a comedy nerd, Pauly Shore's Future of America was the first comedy album that I ever owned. Hmm. It was on cassette, and I wore the fuck out of that. <laughs> so I was you, 14. So you wouldn't take the one with Brendan Fraser? Oh yeah, Encino Man. Yeah, I lo- no, I love Encino. Where do your okay. loyalties lie? Uh, so my my top pick is Son in Law. So you would pick the one without Brendan Fraser. <laughs> so you're sure. saying fuck Brendan Fraser? Yeah. You guys know that I love <laughs> Brendan Fraser. <laughs> love it. I love him. I'll take a bullet for you. Uh, <laughs> blast from the past. Uh, mummy. Woof. Um, so <laughs> no love for jury duty. No hell no. no. Jury, jury duty. Me? Great. 
Well, his his uh, Biodome. Don't Biodome, I'll get a little no, bit of love. No, I can't do it. It's like no, you won't watch it again. Watch oh, it now. I, I've got it. I, I've watched it. I, 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 I might, I might <laughs> give it small credit parts. to end the army now, but that's oh, about shit. it. <laughs> uh, all right. So we just rapid fire our way out. I, I'm I'm curious. Curious. Is this a three-hour episode? Oh, yeah. That's all right. At, it's 200, baby. We're at 206. So <laughs> um, here's what I want to ask everybody. Just pick one that you think is an example of a perfect film. Preferably not horror. Like Since from any time period? Or any, any time Cause, period. Because my mind is going to of filmmaking. I would say of this year is, uh, is Last Night in Soho. Okay. You can kind of think of it too as if somebody hasn't watched a lot of movies and you want to help them with their film school. But it's something that you think is both I'm, equally I, entertaining and the, some of the best offering you have in filmmaking. I've mentioned it before, but I'm going to say it again. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Even Paul Rubens will tell you they, they sat down and wrote like X amount of pages is the first quarter. X, you know, this and this. Like it was very formulaic. If you watch that movie... The pacing is absolutely perfect in it. The comedy is absolutely spot on in that film. And I don't think enough credit is given that Phil Hartman co-wrote that. Mm. God bless Phil Hartman. One of my favorite people ever to come through entertainment. But I think that Pee-wee's Big Adventure is... And and you can laugh. It's a silly movie. But it is constructed... Formulaically, it is a perfectly art is art. movie. Silly or not, Danny Elfman's oh, music, I just everything. Yeah, it's, it's hard to just name one. I'm like, well, hmm. pick three then. It's fine. So, I mean, beyond what we've talked about, we've already laid out Tarantino, Scorsese, all these other giants, right? All right, and uh, we skip horror because in horror we're always going to throw out Exorcist or Jaws right because those are I would have said Halloween Halloween yeah, yeah Halloween uh, man I'm going to lean on some some western influence stuff um, I think Dances with Wolves is a pretty impressive film not the director's cut bonus <laughs> points for Costner's butt cheeks yes his butt <laughs> I mean, it's got comedy, it a drama, etc. But if, if we're going to talk about frontier type stuff, I'm crazy about Last of the Mohicans. Mm. I think Last of the Mohicans, from the soundtrack to the but, act, why am I crazy about it? You got some man crush on Daniel Day Lewis. I'm obsessed well, with Daniel Day Lewis. One of mine, Daniel Day Lewis. There will be blood. There will be blood. I would also say in the name of the Father. Great, but yeah, there there will <laughs> be know. blood is perfect filmmaking. Um, another one I would pick is Chinatown with Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. I think it is a flawless movie. Um, Zodiac is there, but we've covered it on the show, so I don't need to. I love Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. That is my favorite Indiana Jones movie, and my favorite Spielberg movie. That's int- as a kid, that was my favorite. But it's love Temple gone Doom. down for me. I love Temple. No other Indiana Jones movie has short round. <laughs> you call him Dr. Jones, lady. You know what I'm saying? My, um, so yeah, if I pick three for people who are interested in getting like a little bit more serious with, with what I consider to be some of the best, There Will Be Blood, Chinatown, and On the Waterfront with Marlon Brando. And those are just, they're perfect movies. 
obviously we've got stuff like we haven't talked about like the godfather those are one and two you know what i mean like those the, three though those are without saying right like we they're, they're like they're like movies that we don't have to mention because right, it's just right. like it makes sense like yeah they're, duh, we love Godfather yeah. 1 and 2. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Good fellas. Please don't say The Godfather one more time, though. I have to watch it tonight if you do. <laughs> Once it gets in my brain, it has to be viewed. Yeah. I love the entire Planet of the Apes franchise. New and We old. bond over that. I, I love New and old. I mean... I love them. Every few years, I'll watch the extended versions of Lord of the Rings, and I, my, my heart will just grow. Doesn't it kick you right in the nuts... When you realize how many years ago those came out. Oh, yeah. It, I, it uh, I shared that feel, one thing recently with it, with the one Bilbo quote where you referencing that that came out 20 years ago. I, I, I uh, ordered a walker on Amazon when I realized how long ago those fucking things <laughs> I, came out. I think, out. too, that probably aren't thought a lot of as perfect movies, but I think they are as Pretty Woman. Especially considering what the original source, source material that they were going to work with. And I think yeah. I think Gary Marshall is not talked about enough, or Penny Marshall as a director. Both great. Um, but I think a perfect movie for me is Chicago. Because not only is it a great movie, but the work that they put into... You ever watch the behind the scenes of how they made it? Because um, just like it was just hours and hours and hours of rehearsal that they did before they even filmed anything. That's how I feel, like, perfect movie-wise. And it, it's kind of within the genre, which is why I haven't mentioned it before. A Little Shop of Horrors. Mm, yes. Frank Oz directing and the puppeteering on that Audrey 2 is incredible. It is. They keep talking about and I'm sure it's incredible. I'm sure it's closer and closer to getting the actual green light of being remade. They remake it. Number one, don't don't do CGI. You can't top it. Why fuck with it? Yeah. I've seen some live live uh plays where where just uh just some of the casting and stuff is kind of added to it, so I think um, I think I sent you video from Malibu when I tracked down the ending location from Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun going there. Mm-hmm. I, musicals I have very limited uh, fandom for. I respect the hell out of them, mm-hmm. but easily my favorite is Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. So never thought I'd mention that on this podcast. I don't think you can mention masterpieces and perfect movies. I don't know why I didn't think of this without Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah Wizard of Oz. That movie. It. I mean, think about the decades that this thing We're has traversed now, and it to where holds up. it still is something that you show a little kid today. A kid who is used to Pixar and all this other shit and it still works well. My the, nephew and niece just went as a for Halloween. The, uh, yes, like they loved the, it. There's just something there's something whimsical about that movie. And I think the only thing that even comes close to that is uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. With, I, with uh Gene Wilder. Yeah. I think there's like like the not only that, but Wizard of Oz is timeless. Like like if yeah. you know, even the black and white or not, but I think another movie that just resonates highly for, and I think it's because I love I love music and movies, so both are mixed, but I love I love dirty dancing. And that's the thing too, is kinda like um I don't know, you watch some of these behind the scenes and like to know that they didn't even like each other when they started making the movie, but um you guys talk about perfect movies, and no one's brought up Tombstone yet. Ooh, well, man. because you, you looked at your list for <laughs> an hour about westerns, and I was waiting for Tombstone and Unforgiven. <laughs> That's a damn good movie. And from a historical standpoint, Wyatt Earp, the Kevin Costner film, is a like better Wyatt. historical representation yes, of the people is. and what transpired 
But as far as a movie goes, <laughs> you can't beat Tombstone. You can't leave well, Tombstone. I, I, think, no. I think the problem with Wyatt Earp, and that's, that's what... Because it's okay that to make a longer movie, but it just has to keep... like. I feel like Wyatt Earp had a lot of stuff you could have cut out. Well, Tombstone was, was like... Wyatt Earp was one, of those, no filler. was one of those movies that, when it was on VHS, was two tapes oh, in yeah, the package. Oh, yeah, it was two tapes. You know what I mean? Well, that would became the, the, the like JFK, and like if it was a Kevin Costner movie, it's probably going to be two tapes. But, uh... For those of you listening at home, Vinny is going to pee for a third time. <laughs> no, no, I don't think Vinny's mic like Abner was, so you might not hear it. <laughs> Me just spray and pee. Uh, so yeah. Any any other high spots you guys want to throw out? I just want to throw out real quick. Professor and I working at record stores. It was essential to have the dialogue of Empire Records and High Fidelity committed to memory. Without question, we quoted those on the regular. Um, and clerks. We really started to lean into Clerks inside <laughs> yeah. one too, because sure. I, we were we were a little young for yeah. that when it came out. But right. uh, I remember Miles, friend of the show, really had leaned into that, and I kind of really started to piece together how much we could relate some of that. I think something that that and I feel like it. it I think that's why it was so insanely huge. Is uh, there's just a couple movies I think that crossed over to like like no matter what kind of genre, and it's Back to the Future and Batman. Like I, yeah, Bat- Batman is something my mom was wanting to go see. To me. Um, not that she doesn't like, she likes action movies and stuff. But I don't feel like a lot of moms were gonna are, are but like, oh look, a comic book movie. Maybe so a little bit more now. But like, man, but everybody wanted to go see Batman when it came out. Yeah, yeah, that was For a sure. big deal to me. Well, we got any other topics we want to hit? I think we could go on forever, but I think it's a, a good time. Blast. I think it's a good time to wrap it up at two fifteen. Maybe we could revisit this. Uh, we are still that. shorter than a Kevin Costner movie. <laughs> we are by and, and large. I showed my ass a little less than he did. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and, and draw it to a close here. This has been a fantastic episode. I hate to, to wrap it up. Um, we'll we do it again on. if we make it to four hundred. Yeah, for sure. When we get to our 400th episode, we'll, we'll cover all this again. But uh, He'll give us an extra 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, too, if, uh, if listeners enjoy just having us roundtable round movies in general outside the genre, let us know. Maybe it's something we could do not every 200 episodes. Yeah, but for sure. Maybe we could start another podcast. Well, I think yeah. that's, a, that's the thing with horror, too. I feel like horror branches out because... Uh, I try not to get so weirded out when people complain about why I didn't like that movie because it wasn't funny. Because I'm like, well, usually horror movies aren't, but I'm like, horror does hit every, like, good horror movies are drama and comedy and... Romance. Romance. Uh, Horror fans like movies in general. Exactly. Good times. For sure. All right. Wrapping up the 200th episode. Congratulations to Yeah. Glad to be here. Damn glad to be here. Wrapping up, 200th episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I am Grizzly Abner, and I've been joined by... Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy. Stay scary. You better not delete this episode. Save it. Save it. Keep it secret.